destroy all children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy all children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. And special guest this week. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, Dylan. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, so, uh, of course, first order of business, we're here to pay tribute to the great, uh, root, hold on, I have it written down here. Take your time. Allen Ginsberg? He died? Is that what happened? Oh. Uh, well, probably. Wow. Rest in power. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Rest in power. That's right. Oh, it says here he was a member of Nambla. <laughs> Wait, are you getting? Are you getting? Do you mean Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I think you yeah, got the wrong okay. notes. Yeah, my she mistake. For Nambla, but you don't use the notes I give you, man. Come on. All right. So, well, okay. R- R- yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ginsboro. She got stabbed through the fucking chest by Sephiroth. Oh, yes. <laughs> RG the notor- the notorious RGB. That's what people say about her. Yeah, sure. All right. She looked like the grandma from Dinosaurs. She, she really helped me my picture, my old CRT monitors, and for that, you know, sir. Yeah, Dylan's sure. a robot, by the way, for anybody <laughs> listening. It's fine. It'll be fine. It's all fine. We're here for good vibes. Well, Larry, it's so, a good thing that nothing really happened this week. Uh, it's probably going to be another boring episode with not much to talk about. Um, I have my news notes pulled up here and looking over. Well, there's this one note I have that says PlayStation is a fuck. Yeah, yeah. We got to talk about the pre-order thing, unfortunately. So... Right, so we watched the PlayStation reveal event, and uh, it was like everything we do like that. It's aged horribly within the span <laughs> of like five days. <laughs> well, yeah, no, like within the span of about an hour, in fact, because that whole thing was like there were no there were no games designated as being for launch, even though it was like Fortnite and or something else. I think that said that. And then, like, later after the show, Jeff Keighley was doing Sony's PR for them, for some reason. <laughs> and it's being like, oh yeah, Miles Morales and Demon Souls are at launch. Also, uh, pre-orders are going up tomorrow, and all of this stuff. And then later, it was like, oh, actually, they might be tonight. Oh no, I, it turns out they're tomorrow, and then actually, they went up that night anyway. Yeah, pretty shortly after he said that they were going up within that day, uh, I think probably within an hour of him sending that tweet out, there were GameStops that were getting them uh, 
like for mm-hmm. in-store pre-orders. So I like called mine, and as soon as I called mine, they said, "Yeah, we just got like the pre-order listing live for the digital only unit." And so then that's like another. There, there are so many layers to this thing because it just fucked up on so many different levels. But GameStop's apparently only got stocks of roughly 14 of the disc-based versions and, like, two of the digital editions per store. From what I understand, uh, then, that ratio is, like, kind of standard for everywhere. The, di- the digital ones yes. are way more scarce than the disc ones are. Yeah, for for whatever, like, that's the thing that's a little bizarre to me, too, is you would think that, you know, you're you're not putting a disk drive in there, you would have more plentiful digital editions. But I Mm. guess not. I mean, disk drive isn't expensive. I just can't imagine who would buy a digital-only console. Danny, (laughs) (laughs) noted noted character on this podcast who has not appeared in a while, uh, was telling me that he pretty much only wanted the digital edition. So I mean, I don't know. I think it's people who just like look at the lower price tag and they're like, "Oh, well, it's cheaper, so I'll get that," and don't really think about like how that's going to end up being way more expensive in the long run. Which, to be fair, I think it's a lot of people right now. Oh, yeah. Because the pandemic are probably looking at that price. Like, and also, like, look at I the think Series that's why the S, S. is going to sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like, even if you release a digital only, you need to have games for it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... So that's like, kind of going back to what Larry said about, you know, these launch titles being real up in the air after that presentation and then shortly after... Keeley's out here going like, oh yeah, by the way, some of these games that they showed off are day one. Like, I don't know, the, the launch lineup for me is fine. I've been through worse launch lineups. Like, yeah. That Demon Souls remaster remake thing looks really good, actually. Uh, you know, bizarre, they gave it to a studio that can actually make a video game. So it seems, like, playable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, just, it sucks that it's being held hostage by the PS5. Sure. Well, I mean, if that... So then that's another thing, is they put out these standalone trailers, uh, and both Demon's Souls and, uh, oh, what was the other one, Larry? Horizon? Yes. No. Deathloop. No. I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank on this. Anyway, two of the trailers had uh, wording at the end that indicated that they would be timed exclusives. So Demon's Souls was saying like it was going to be on PlayStation 4 and other stuff, but then also PC, and the way they worded that made it sound like it was coming to PC within a very close time frame to the uh, PlayStation 5 launch. And then they, Sony was like, wait, fucking no, scrub that off the internet. We can't have that in our launch trailer. The thing is, that wasn't even just in the standalone one. It was in the presentation, too. Because I made note of it at the time. Yeah, at the very end, it says, like, also available on PC or something. And that's a weird mistake to make, because that just means nobody looked at it, I guess. Because it's right there. It's not hidden or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, weird mistake to not put coming out at launch on that trailer, too. I don't know what the deal is with that presentation that they gave, but it seems like it was maybe not done. Someone grabbed an old video file and put it up. They're somehow making, like, a launch worse than the Sega Saturn. Uh, so that's... I had I had tweeted this out, that the thing that they pulled on GameStop is real fucked up. 
because everyone that I've talked to who has worked at a GameStop uh, or who was working at a GameStop at that period of time uh, was fucking pissed because nobody told them. I'm sure corporate knew, but corporate didn't give any kind of indication that the people actually working there. So it's like just coming into work and expecting a normal day, and then suddenly it's Black Friday. It's like <laughs> they got Sega Saturn if the Sega Saturn was desirable. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's that's the difference is that they released the Sega Saturn early, and it looked yeah. like it looked like that uh that Simpsons scene from Euro Itchy and Scratchy Land. <laughs> yeah, just the empty parking lot. Yeah. Is the giant from Twin Peaks saying it's happening again? <laughs> well, the Sega Saturn had actual games at launch, even if one of them was Clockwork Night. I, I was it, gonna say, yeah, yeah, Clockwork Night, Bug. What else? Uh, Panzer Dragoon. That's a, that's an actually well, good one. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Virtual Fighter, the 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 bad port. Yeah, before the the Game remake version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, oh, and Daytona USA. That's the whole launch lineup. Oh, that's all oh. you need, really. Yeah. It's just Daytona USA. Yeah, then, I, look, I'm totally fine with the PlayStation 5 launch lineup. It could be better. They could have something more on there, but, like, I'm perfectly content with Miles Morales and Demon Souls. Yeah, those so, are basically the two that I thought, like, yeah. if it comes out with those two, I'll be fine. Sure. The The thing is, though, if they if they make the Demon Souls remake, like, pretty uh one-to-one faithful to the original... I don't think people are uh, the new Dark Souls fans are going to like it. Oh, definitely not. Probably it's not. like Demon Souls is a much more slow-paced and deliberate game than Demon Souls or than Dark Souls is. Uh, like I was talking to Larry about this, I I think on that presentation video that I really like stuff like Flame Lurker is so common now in the Dark Souls games. Like a boss is just very aggressive and is moving around very quickly. But like back in the day that was an absolute nightmare to have to deal with since every boss was just huge and lumbering and slow. Yeah. And so when you go and you play these Dark Souls games and you get acclimated on those, going back to Demon Souls makes it seem like the easiest one out of the bunch because everything is just so obvious and slow and pattern-based. I'd actually I'd actually disagree and say that Demon Souls still retains a lot of its difficulty through through the fact that it's mostly marathon levels. Sure. Yeah, like and that's actually something that I really appreciate more about Demon Souls is there are longer stretches of level before you get to a checkpoint. And there's more of opening up shortcuts and pathways back to where you started to kind of mitigate that. Uh I th- I just think the level design in Demon Souls is like the best in the series. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh which God, I've I've also played that game so much that part of me finding it a lot easier now could also just be the fact that I've probably beat Demon Souls start to finish like ten to twelve times. Well, I mean, the difference to me is like I think Demon Souls is like a really good challenge. Like it's a fun, difficult but engaging challenge. Where something like Dark Souls Three is just fucking annoying. Yep, <laughs> I like Dark Souls Three. <laughs> well, Larry, Larry we've, we've we've talked about our uh, yeah. I Dark Souls 3 I is just like a fun. it's like a greatest hits compilation of Dark Souls. Yep. It's just, hey, remember An Orlando? Here it is again. Have now that's fun. what I call Dark Souls Volume 1. <laughs> yeah. Kids Bop Dark Souls. I like Dark Souls 2 a whole lot, even though I think that maybe the level design in that game is the worst out of the series just because it is rotten with bonfires. I really like that one though. It's a fun game. It yeah. is. It's great. I love Dark Souls. I love 
I love the way it looks, actually. I know for some reason it, there's contention, but Dark Souls 3 is like such a muddy, like, it's just such a fucking gross looking game, while Dark Souls 2 is full of color. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are some good Souls games. Uh, not all of them, but some. Right. Uh, I want to see how Valley of Defilement runs in this remake. Yeah. Oh, man. I really want to <laughs> see that, too. <laughs> Like if if all this if the end of this thing is just Valley of Defilement runs good now it would be worth it for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've actually I've been replaying Demon Souls on an emulator. Uh, it took them like twenty years, but PS3 emulation is is mildly usable. Yeah. And Demon Souls they have a sixty FPS patch. It's very buggy, but actually playing it at sixty FPS is a total game changer. It's a oh, completely different experience. Yeah. To not have the frame rate tank when you, like, roll over a barrel. <laughs> yeah, so that was something I noticed was um, I played all of the Souls games on console, obviously, until, like, later I went back and played the PC port of Dark Souls 2. And I got, like, halfway through that game before I even died once. Because it was just, like, way, way easier with a higher frame rate. Mm. To the point where it was, like, almost embarrassing. Yeah. That's what oh, I'm I wondering, though, the, is uh... if they... What? Oh, go on. Oh, so, I, that's what I'm wondering, though, is if they're going to rebalance Demon Souls at all. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm really curious about that, too. Like, part of what I'm really curious about is whether or not they add any content to that, because there is, you know, famously this whole cut area from Demon Souls, uh, the last archstone that gets, like, busted up. And the plan was to, like, re release that area as DLC. Uh, which is not unusual for the Souls games because all of them except Demon Souls has DLC. Uh, so I wonder if they put that back in or if they just say, hey, you know, we're going 1 1 with the original, so it ain't here. I like Bluepoint is really good. I like them a lot. I'd actually be curious to see them try and revive the. the is it the fourth Archstone? That'd be I'd, fifth, right? Fifth, yeah. Uh... Valley Defilement, there's the castle, there's, right. the, there's prison the tower area. Yeah, yeah Tower of Latria. The cliffs. Called. Uh the, well the like uh the mines was the other oh, right. location. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. The mines. I, look, I, the I just I always think about those stingrays on the cliffs. I can't get them oh, out of right, my head. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. that level's yeah, fucking uh, great. That's that's one of my favorite areas. Okay. I remember back when that game first came out and I was bitching up a storm about the targeting on the stingrays was fucking the camera up real good and they were a pain in the ass to hit without it and Larry was just like you're just not playing the game good and then he got there and was like oh yeah this fucking sucks <laughs> <laughs> well to be that, fair that, you uh... had been complaining about other things in the game that were not hard at all so yeah well sure but I'm not, I'm not one of those I'm not one of those guys who gets like super violently angry at video games, but that area in the Shrine of Storms after the Adjudicator, that long stretch to the uh the what is it, the old the old monk or something, the old hero. Yeah. That made me red faced angry. That <laughs> fucking gauntlet. Oh yeah. That I've is... never been more mad at a game. I think that might be the single hardest stretch of game in Demon Souls. Well, especially because, like, Maneater before that is the big, is, like, the big fuck you roadblock. And then you get to that, and you're just like, this game is not letting up. 
Yeah. So that's something that I need to go back and check, but the, the Maneater arena was shown in that trailer too, and I swear to God they made it even smaller. It, yes, I think so. And so I, that does make me think they are maybe rebalancing some stuff about this, like to make it, I don't know, more difficult for people who are so acclimated on Souls that they're not going to pick this up and just, you know, breeze through it in a couple hours. Does Maneater uh, really need to be harder, though? Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. I am the most interested for the uh, old monk boss fight. Um, yes. Speaking of Tower Latria, because, uh, you know, invoking the name of Danny yet again, uh, who will probably listen to this podcast. Uh, as yeah, and then send me an angry reason. message about how uh, Roger Rabbit <laughs> is good or whatever it was. <laughs> oh no, that's that's uh that's somebody else. But yes, oh, that right. was also very funny. <laughs> it was funny. Um <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Uh he had played the other Souls games before Demon Souls, and I had convinced him to come over. This was before uh people were dying of acute respiratory failure from a virus. Uh but I had him uh play Demon Souls with me. And we got to that fight, and I explained, like, hey, the whole mechanic of this was that you would do it online. So the boss would be another player who would fight you, and they get this, like, slightly modified moveset. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I wonder if, like, we could get into an online session for this, even though it's been, like, fucking eight years since Demon's Souls came out, and probably no one's playing this. And uh, we actually managed to, and what we had done is... We had this, like, really, really big fuck-you axe that was, like, the size of our entire body. And so we just stood in the doorway with it, like, raised over our head, just winding up. And as soon as the guy came through, just fucking flattened him and killed him in one hit. Remember so I'm just, how Demon oh, Souls, do it, again. it had that, uh, that spear that would destroy item durability. And so Hell you would just yes. get people <laughs> invading with that. I remember the old monk fight. When I first fought it, I'd have to just disconnect my PS3 from the internet. That's what because I did. You'd, you'd, you'd enter the boss fight and get firestormed yep. every time. Oh, yep. Man. That's absolutely nothing about the online experience in Demon's Souls was balanced in the least, and that therefore it is the best <laughs> of the entire series. I mean, compared to the later games, which are uh, wonderfully balanced and obviously completely oh, fair. Oh, it's still bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, like, Demon's Souls was the worst about that. That was a whole new thing that they had dreamt up of their own mind, and they did not bother to balance it even a little bit. Well, yeah, and that's I why kind it's of hope the most that they fun, don't though. do that again. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't like every... balance that. <laughs> Dark, Dark, Souls, Dark Souls 3 feels like it's made for, like, r slash Dark Souls for epic Reddit moments. Yeah, I... <laughs> Whereas Demon's Souls is, like, this weird-ass game. Oh, sure. Hey. Demon's Souls didn't have any, like, designated fight zone in the way that the other Dark Souls did, official or otherwise. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. how in 2 they had that bridge in the fire area, people would always meet up on that, and then, you know, later they added these actual combat arenas. But, yeah, there's, like, nothing like that in Demon's Souls, and so I kind of wonder, like, what that community ends up doing with Demon Souls if they find some way to force a sort of fight arena in that game? Because uh, no, most of the game's not accommodating to that at they're all. They're just going to continue trying to fight you, like in those caves in the mines or something where your sword bounces off the wall constantly. 
<laughs> fucking a that that area in shrine of storms that's talking about that's gonna become like a fucking oh, grueling proving grounds yeah mm. if there's any part of the game that i maybe shut the internet off for it's it's that yeah i you know i i kind of wonder if they're gonna go add covenants and stuff to this i'm really curious how close they just try to make it uh to the original and how much they actually change about it other than you know making it look pretty and run good well because i've been nervous that they were gonna change the boss fights because the demons yeah. boss fights are really creative and more like uh puzzles whereas dark souls fans they like their boss fights to have like 10 minute combos dodge roll everywhere sure mm. oh this guy's on basically, a dragon and he's just gonna fly around now and i can't hit him and when he lands i'm gonna get fucked Basically, if it's not Artorius, they don't want anything to do with it. So I'm imagining them getting to Fool's Idol and being like, what the hell? <laughs> well, no, fight. look. Artorius, is, he's just like Guts from Berserk. Please watch my 10-minute lore video when I, I talk. He, his arm don't work good, and he's got a dog. Now, I don't want to say anything too dramatic, but I think Dark Souls lore channels should be, like, criminalized. <laughs> yes. I agree. Put them in the Walk gulag. freaks up. I think, I think top 10 Dark Souls boss fights, easiest to hardest or whatever, I think that should be, like, a citation. Then <laughs> hey. prepare to cry. If you put that in the beginning, then you get hauled God. away to a, a death camp. Yes. <laughs> They always narrate those things like the fucking spook em up YouTubers too, where they talk in like a really low tone. They enunciate oh. things weird and they pause a lot between words. I fucking hate that so much. This is uh this new Vegas lore guy, and he reads every story like he's fucking he's about to burst into tears at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> like Ken Burns reading a letter too. from a Civil War soldier or something. <laughs> I'd cry too if someone made me play a fucking Fallout game. Hey now. Oh, you're splitting hairs now. Bethesda mm. purchased by Microsoft. Yep. Next news item. And there's still stuff to say about the PlayStation 5 thing, actually, I think. Right? Not really. Like, so the pre order is pretty much sold out immediately, but Sony is saying that they're going to have more availability before launch. So I'm guessing they're doing pre orders. In waves but they've not really communicated that they put out a tweet that was like hey sorry we kind of fucked this all up uh not doing anything to make it better though notably uh, they had they... that sign up thing that you could sign up for be one of the first to pre-order it turns out that's actually kind of more of a backup if you yeah. didn't get one of the others yeah uh i did not get any kind of email from Me sony about either. that neither did you yeah uh, but thankfully uh not to brag or anything, but we both have our pre-orders in, so we are getting that box. 16 inches of pure fucking video games. Oh, yeah. Claps my shelf. That's right. It's gonna... Check yeah, out the ass on this PlayStation. My coworker was showing me a picture of it, and he's like, are you getting one? I'm like, where am I going to put it? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I, 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 was, I, have... I was measuring my... Uh the spaces like in my tv stand and being like well i'm gonna have like maybe two inches of clearance on one side it's measuring it like three times and wiping sweat off your brow uh, yeah basically like this, this thing looks like a breathing through the this, mouth it looks like a fucking space heater and it's like yeah, yeah. i've already got enough trouble getting my pc anywhere i'm not mm -hmm. i love it make them, for that shit make them bigger keep doing it <laughs> i love it 
Sure. I, I literally have no space near my TV vertically that can house that thing. Oh, yeah. I don't either. I mean, I guess if this means it is quieter and it helps cooling, oh, then nice. sure. Yeah, Why I not? love pausing Ghost of Tsushima, and it sounds like a fucking turbine <laughs> on the other oh, end yeah. of the room. Yeah, God of War heated about it that up pause screen. real good. Oh, yeah. I know the PS4 does that even if you're playing like I was playing fucking Siren on it and it still sounded like it was about to take off and fly out the window. <laughs> Just imagine Mark Cerny near like the original prototype units that are the size of like generators and it just is very quiet and he's pleased by this. Uh, but then the engineering team's like, no, it, it's got to be smaller. You know, it's funny you mentioned that with the pause screen because I did notice that and it, it was actually... um. Shadow of War that I was playing on Xbox For some reason that one Also got way louder and Hotter when it was on the pause screen I don't know what's mm. up with that Reminder I'm still Using a original Like Vaser version Playstation 4 So you can only imagine how much louder It is Oh yeah that's yeah, what I'm talking mine, about my, I have the base PS4 too but mine is like In the bedroom as the Netflix box mm-hmm. It's not used for games at all Whatsoever yeah, I, I still got a base PS4. It started uh started doing the clicking noises again for the hard drive, so that's cool. Uh oh. Well, oh yeah, hey, the original hard drive on mine. The original hard drive on mine died in like 2015, so my friend slapped a laptop hard drive in it and that fixed it. Great. I'm like this is a real, this is a killer piece of hardware right here. <laughs> I mean, I've got everything on an external anyway, uh, but still it. Yeah, good times I just, I have to make it like Through the end of Ghost of Tsushima And then I could put it in its box And never touch it again Sell that thing later Right, that's the thing I, I'm, I'm so close to that thing not failing on me I, yeah. Man Yeah, so for background uh, George got the 20th anniversary PS4 He somehow managed to get one And then like a freak actually used it <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted a PlayStation 4 and I really liked the look of it and I was like, yeah, I'm I want to open this up and use it. Uh that thing will still sell for at the very least as much as I paid for it even out of the box and used. So, I'm not like super concerned about it. Also, he has PT Plus, installed. Yes. So, that account has to also get sold when I sell the PlayStation 4. I did not foresee this originally. I planned to keep my PlayStation account, but oh well. <laughs> Thank you, Konami, for, you know, everything, you fucks. You know, the hardest uh, thing it... for me was uh, putting my Xbox One in storage, because I have the original base model Xbox One, Ooh, and I threw, that thing in, I threw that thing in fucking storage, like, two years ago, and I'm worried it's going to buckle the foundation of my apartment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was the thing. I was wondering um, when the measurements for the PS... Five came out if it was actually bigger than the original Xbox One because yeah that thing's huge. I, I, I actually think I, I like the Xbox One's like original design, this big VHS player looking thing. I think it's kind of dope. I like it. It just looks like a DVR basically. Yeah, it's a shame that there was nothing on that thing that I wanted to play that was not otherwise made available on PC. Yeah, I, I gambled on all the next gen consoles last gen, and I lost on all of them. Mm. I'm having a good time with my PlayStation Four. Yeah, like, I have there's too. been enough on there that I I feel I've 
justify what I put into it. Uh, Switch, on the other hand... Oh yeah, that was I, my biggest fucking mistake. <laughs> yeah. I laid out all my Switch games the other day uh, just to take a look at them, take a real fucking gander at that lineup, and I don't think I would like replay any of those things. Like... <sighs> And then also, I haven't bought anything since Luigi's Mansion 3, which has been a year ago! Oh, yeah. It's been a year! Well... I know, the Switch The switch to me was like, okay, so I can play games, I could play at 60 FPS on PC, at 30 FPS, and then the handheld, and it, like, gets really fucking hot in my hands. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is badass. Yeah, burn my crotch. Look, I use this, it to... Uh, I, use the, switch. I use it to play Picross. That's the most I use my Switch for. I use mine for Luminous and Tetris 99. Yes, I also have yeah, Luminous installed. Uh, I was considering playing more Tetris 99 because uh, Nintendo... We talked about this on the podcast way, way, way back. But I know that I had shut off auto-renewal on my like Nintendo online subscription. And they turned it back on and charged me for it again. And so I've just had like their online service for roughly a year, and I'm not used to it at all. So I don't know. Maybe I should play some Tetris 99 before that thing craps out. Uh, that although at this point, I don't know. Tetris maybe machine. it renews again. Yeah, it's basically the Tetris machine. There is that Mario Battle Royale thing that looks interesting. It's only available for a limited time. Oh, well, I better get on that. Oh, that's that's a fun thing they're doing. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, Goes back just... in the Nintendo Vault. Uh... <laughs> you can you can for a limited time you can play Super Mario sixty four. Yeah. A or game I that could... takes ten minutes to emulate. <laughs> or if I can that. pull it off my shelf and put it into an actual Nintendo sixty four because I'm a freak in nature. By the way, we'll get into that later. Oh, I might have well. beat the first System Shock. <laughs> So. Shut up, spoilers. Uh, more importantly, you're gonna put the, it in the description yeah, anyway. The big, Who cares? The big news, though: Microsoft acquiring um, Zenimax, parent company of oh, Bethesda. Man. Congrats to Microsoft for finally having uh, like exclusive titles that I give a crap about. You do? Uh, if they put out more Dooms and Wolfenstein's. Oh well, okay, yeah. But I mean, you famously do not care about Elder Scrolls or Fallout, and also refuse oh, to play yeah. any arcane games. So no, I play arcane games. I just like end up no, you don't. Off of them like, yeah, I did. I played Dishonored. I played uh, Prey. And I did not complete either of those games. What the hell's your problem? I don't know. I legitimately don't know. Like, this is actually confusing to me because it's not like I dislike those kind of games. It's just for some reason the arcane ones. I end up like I only get a little bit in, and then I just kind of fall off of it. You don't like well, real okay, so games. It's funny because this Dishonored, I kind of get because it took me a while to kind of like stick to that one. But Prey was, I was hooked on that instantly. I am almost certain that, like, I say that I hate Prey and then I make up bullshit reasons. I'm mostly joking. Uh, I do know that the game kind of just like failed to hook me for the long term, but like, I swear to God, something else must have come out or something happened in my life around that time, and that just is the main thing that pulled me away from it well you're also every time bizarrely, i look at prey i think that you're like I would really, really attached it. to the original concept of prey 2 and that trailer that they showed yeah because you just I keep mean, bringing yeah, that I, up over and space. over well that, that's that, part that's part of the joke is that name they that chose is. was such a bad idea such a bad idea yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it, no, I mostly joke about that because, like, really, what was that game other than that one trailer and just this kind of nebulous concept of space bounty hunter? Yeah, like, there's it, really nothing there to get super latched on or attached but, to. But yeah, it, it was a bad idea for them to use the name when it has nothing in common with the first game anyway. Yeah. Uh, I gotta break kayfabe on this podcast and just admit that I actually don't have anything against Prey. This is a shoot? I should probably get back to it. Yep. Okay. This is a shoot. Um, but yeah, like that first Prey game is just like it had portals. Art Bell was in it. Don't fear oh, the I love Reaper. The first Prey. I, I, I like it. Prey. I watched my friend play the first Prey back in the day, and I like my attitude towards it the entire time was, "Yo, what the fuck is this video game?" <laughs> but I, yeah, I got I'd like it. To go back I got it. I got it as a birthday present, and I um, tortured the family PC with it. <laughs> it was cool you could walk on walls It, You couldn't die You would just like shoot the hawks or whatever And come back to life It had yeah, a lot so of stuff going on in it Well yeah. I think that's probably That's like the best game or The best shooter from that like id tech era I think cause like yeah. Quake 4 has that one badass scene And then it's just nothing Yeah, Doom 3 is fucking annoying Prey still had that id tech look Of the time though Where everything looks slimy even things that aren't supposed to be. In 2006, I thought it was like the best looking game I'd ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, yeah. Those alien, uh, like weird orifice doors were cool. And Art Bell was I in love it. Orifice doors. Uh, I love Art Bell. It's just <laughs> full of stuff I love. <laughs> I love all of it. Uh, yeah, I uh, I should really start pray again and and give that another shot. But uh, I've Kind of been bouncing between two other games And the next month is a whole other And I don't know when I'll get to it But at some point I want to sit down and, and try that again uh, Okay Speaking of Prey, should we should we seg and segue into System Shock? Uh, uh, no, we we'll talk we, first We about... save that for the end of the podcast Yes, okay. retro, retro Corner is last Because nobody cares yeah. um, so... <laughs> How dare you <laughs> it's a, it's a Old hit. video games are better than new games Yeah That's true it's true. Um, but yeah, this. Uh, okay, quick question. I didn't look mm-hmm. this up. What are Alpha Dog and Roundhouse Studios? Do you know? Uh, no idea. No idea. Okay, Roundhouse so it's not just me. Familiar. Well, um, yeah. because in the announcement here it says they've got Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, Zenimax Online Studios. I'm not. Sure what they did either actually Arcane, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks Alpha Dog and Roundhouse Studios Alpha Dog Alpha Dog Yeah I don't, I don't know that Roundhouse sounds familiar to me but I, It's not quite clicking And Alpha Dog I really couldn't tell you Okay So. Well what do you make of this news? Uh, I mean, if Microsoft continues to just put all their games out on PC, then I guess it still doesn't incentivize me to buy their new system. Uh, Like, I appreciate that about Microsoft, don't get me wrong. Like, the fact that I don't need to invest in their box to still play the games that they're putting out on their console is great. But also, I would think that they would want to sell their hardware. So I don't know. Roundhouse Studios are the Rune 2 developers. 
Okay. That was the thing, remember, where they like gave up on Rune 2 and made a new studio yeah. while they were still under contract or whatever it was? Yeah, I vaguely remember that. But yeah, so yeah that's I mean, cool. I guess at some point I would either need to buy their system or upgrade my video card, but as long as I still have a halfway decent one, which is the 980, uh, I can play probably most of the stuff that's coming out within the next year without compromising too much. So Yeah, and I, I appreciate that more about Microsoft, because like people who buy on console, they're going to buy consoles. And people who play on PC, they're going to play on PC. So yeah. I don't really see the point on like holding a game on a fucking box and saying, nope, you got to buy the fucking box to play it. Yeah, and to them, it Part doesn't really wanting... matter either. Like, as yeah. long as you buy the game, it doesn't really matter where you get it. Yeah. Oh, part Microsoft, of to move Microsoft to... they'll, they'll be fine. Yeah. Sure. Part of wanting to move back to consoles for me is just, I don't know, but PC stuff at a point gets very frustrating for me. Like, I don't want to deal with all this shit. I just want to have a box, put the disc in, and be done with it. I just don't uh, really like the experience of that, like sitting at the desk. I know I can run cable too. over to the TV, and I've tried that, but then like launching games need to get the mouse and everything, and eh, yeah, it's just annoying. Yeah, there is a certain like comfort factor in going out to the living room and separating myself from the PC because this has now also become my work area since working from home, and so you know I I, I sit here and it's more uncomfortable than it has been in the past. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'll probably put a new GPU in this thing eventually because the 980 is not going to last forever and it's not going to play the stuff that it would still want to play on the PC forever, but uh, less of a concern now that I'm just investing more in the PlayStation 5. Yeah, see, I've been like holding off on upgrading anything because I'll see like footage. I saw footage of like the Avengers game and I'm like, well, this doesn't look very fun at all. <laughs> and it's, and it's going to try and make me up. It's going to make me upgrade to Windows 10. Uh, nah, I'm good. That's uh, something I wanted to bring up while we were still on news. Uh, this article from IGN, I really like the title for Mar Marvel's Adventures Next Patch Will Fix Over a Thousand Player Reported Issues. Great. Uh -huh. You got the developers of Gex on it. What'd you expect? <laughs> hey, now. Agreeable grunt. Gex is a quality video game. I will not have you speak ill of Gex on my podcast. Alright, alright. I'll talk about one of their worst games, like Tomb Raider. How dare you? <laughs> One of the worst. Uh, all right, Soul Reaver. How about that? Soul Reaver is awesome. Well, okay, Soul no. Reaver is one of my favorite looking games. Uh, favorite stories. Actually playing it though. Yes. Especially on a PS One. That that thing like gives you a headache looking at that slow frame rate. Oh yeah. Dithering oh, as far as the eye can see. Uh, this article reads, the 1,000-plus issues addressed by the version 1.3.0 patch include everything from progression stoppers to small graphical fixes, and will address problems with the game's combat, user interface, matchmaking, and more. Uh, Crystal Dynamics has also suggested a few workarounds for some known issues in the game, which can be found in a Reddit thread, so cool. <laughs> oh, uh, great. <laughs> yeah. Future updates for the game will focus less on bug fixing. And we'll instead integrate more quality of life adjustments and feedback-driven features slash tuning. So good news, after this patch, uh, the game's fixed. It's good now. I mean, I was planning on bugs. playing that uh, on the Series X because the performance seems not super great on current consoles. 
Uh, And from what I have heard, the campaign is actually pretty good. It's like the whole multiplayer aspect that it really gets bad, which is not surprising to me. That's pretty much what I expected. Uh, It still seems like a bizarre choice for them to even do that. Yeah, I've heard the post game is a bit of a drag too. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, that's multiplayer stuff. Yeah, no, I know. I'm I'm saying that because I agree with you. Um, But okay. Yeah, like I I would be interested in checking that game out like maybe a year from now when I can trust that it's probably more playable. That's the you... thing with like every game that's released nowadays. You gotta wait like a year for it to be working. Doom Eternal is the only game I played that like on launch didn't I wasn't thinking like, oh in a year this'll be playable. Yeah. Well, uh, mine glitched, which was great. Uh, it made it impossible for me to get the hundred uh, percent completion achievement. So, thank you, Doom Eternal. That seems to have happened to you, like, with some amount of frequency lately, too. Because that, that oh. is not the only game that you've complained about not being able to get a hundred percent like achievement completion. So, Tomb Raider got fixed. Oh, that's good. Uh, like um, exiting like, the game I, completely and reloading the save for some reason just like made it work. I don't know. I just I wonder if it's something with like new games and the logic for like achievement unlocks then becomes more complicated or something like that. So it seems like it's games that have come out fairly recently that have been doing that to you. I've actually uh, had that happen yeah. in Tomb Raider. The Tomb Raider games that same thing happened to me where it would glitch out completely and I just have to like reload the game and it would be mm. fine. Yeah, this was in uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. It was like I had gotten one of the murals and another, like a document or something, and I just never registered it as being picked up on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, like I finished the game and then uh, quit for a while and then went back to do the DLC stuff, and it just like popped the achievement immediately once I got in. So that was cool. Maybe they're, maybe they're still using patented Gex technology. Maybe. <laughs> Well, we I got wish Gex, it's right in the box. Boy, I wish those villagers were voiced by uh, Dana Gould and stuff. Whoever <laughs> they got voicing it, because there's like Just... one guy who does like eighty percent of the voices in that game. Okay, all right, hear me out. You go into a tomb, and the tomb is just, like, it starts out as this, like, ancient crypt, but the further you go in, there's just, like, candy wrappers and, like, empty cans of soda, and then there's a couch and a TV, and Gex is sitting at the couch, and you could just walk up and talk to Gex. That'd be great. Now imagine Laura Croft, one of the secret tombs is Scream TV. And, she's, <laughs> and she says, she says, this is, reminds me of a luau at Mel Blanc's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just great. Shadow of the Tomb Raider, though. Playing Tomb Raider now. <laughs> Shadow of the Tomb Raider, the opening of that game made me laugh my ass off, though. When she, uh, she steals, like, some fucking dagger or something it is. Yeah. And the bad guy comes and takes it, and he's like, "Oh, you fucking idiot! You just you just fucking killed us!" And then a flood happens, and people are dying everywhere. And her first response is, "Oh, we gotta go get the dagger back." Uh-huh. <laughs> like what? You just you uh-huh. just caused like super Katrina, and you're just like, "Oh, I gotta go find that dagger." Yeah, so it's a badass dagger it causes uh, floods, man. I, I, I love that a, too. I finished the Reba game. Laura Croft is the worst character ever. I thought. At the end of that, surely it would be like, oh, she didn't actually cause this. You know, like it was some other thing and it was just a coincidence that she picked up the dagger at the same time or something like that. 
surely when it makes you watch a child fall to his death in the opening <laughs> scene, that's not directly Lara Croft's fault. Uh, yeah, it was. Lara Croft is holding Washington, D.C. for ransom with her weather device. Sure. Seriously, uh, in every, in like Tomb Raider 1, in the 2013 and Shadow, she's just, she's just like a beacon of, of terrible things happening to everyone. She's like, oh, let's go to this island. Let's go to this cursed fucking island. And it, their, yeah. their fucking boat gets crashed. All of her friends die. Isn't she has to... At the start of the second one, isn't she, like, uh, climbing up the side of a mountain with that one guy from yeah. the first game, and he, like, falls off of it or something? Uh, well... I think he, like, falls, and you the game tries to sell you on him being dead, but then you run into him later, and he's fine. Yeah, because Jonah's still in the third one. He survives somehow. Oh no, he's like the only person who encounters Lara that doesn't die. <laughs> Jonah's like the he's like the one good character, right? Like yeah. the, this is one of those series where like everyone's a piece of shit, but you still have like one good person in there because you kinda have to. I think Rise of the Tomb Raider is that Laura Croft is the most borderline likable in that one. Yeah. Yeah, uh They put Jesus in the game. It's Jesus Christ. That's right. I honestly Honestly, I changed the voices to French because that Laura Croft voice actress is the worst fucker I've ever heard I don't in mind my it. life. I'd rather listen to like a compilation of Dana Gould as Gex. <laughs> Man, I mean, I would her. want to do that anyway. Even if it was a good voice actor for Laura, I'd probably just want to do that. So, speak of terrible voice acting, there is something that I could not stand in Shadow, which is uh, this main city, the hidden city that you're in. There is one character, I think it's supposed to be like, I don't know what he's supposed to be doing, but he never shuts up. He's just constantly chattering on and on. And there's, like, at one point in his dialogue loop, he's just going, much to much to much to much to much to much to like, over and over, and it drove me insane. Because there's a lot of hidden area, uh, areas and, like, items in that area. Uh, and you like have to dig and like try to find survival caches and whatever else. That's just constantly happening. I'm just listening to it over and over. It was terrible. The thing that annoyed me the most about the Tomb Raider games, the new ones, is how they had this huge world to explore and they made it super fun to explore. But the storyline, the plot made it made no sense that Laura would be dicking around collecting bird feathers <laughs> because it would be like. Your friend Sam is about to get her throat slit. She's in this building. You got to go get there right now. And then it's like, go do two optional tombs. Uh -huh. Go collect some oh, eggs. She's, she's addicted to the thrill. You know? It's a, a lifestyle thing now that she's got to fuck around and go into tombs. Also, we talked about this here, but that first game has an origin for her dual pistols. Um, uh huh. And then they it, never show up again. Nope. You know, Good I've times. been replaying Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider 96. And I like that Laura Croft a lot. She's a lot of fun. I those are I need to get to those games eventually because they are on the list. But I'm too busy fucking around in Ogre Battle: The March of the Black Queen, which is a very boring game. It's a good thing I'm pairing it with Ghost of Tsushima, which is also a very boring game. The controls of Tomb Raider, they're a little hard to get your head wrapped around, but as someone who's beaten System Shock 1 like 20 times, it's pretty much second nature for me by now. 
Oh yeah. No, I mean, if you can beat System Shock One, you can beat anything. Frankly, I, I can just adapt to any shitty control scheme. Yeah, you're you're unkillable at this point. Yeah, it's like a three D blackthorn. Gravely wrong with you. Either or. Oh, actually, I've beaten System Shock One using the original control scheme. That's my preferred way to play it. Uh, um, and I kind of wanted to go back for a moment about like the the busted state of games when they come out. I actually think like the last decent chunk of games I've bought on release have played totally fine for me. So I don't know if I'm just really lucky this generation, but like Ghost of Tsushima, I've not had any problems with really. It's run pretty smooth. I've not encountered any glitches or any weirdness. Uh, kind of thinking back to like other stuff i've played fairly recently like you know god of war i didn't have any issues with either so i don't know i'm having a good time this generation i suppose i think it just depends on the studio putting it out really like yeah, yeah sony stuff has not got to be completely busted like that um although i don't know fancy seven played pretty good i did also. have some issues with ghost of tsushima if you remember um yeah but I, yes I, that's why I'm insistent that perhaps I am just lucky, because I have, as of yet, had no problems with that game whatsoever. Uh, outside of more, like, you know, just general mechanical things of like, oh, I don't think they designed this so good. Uh, but that's, of course, different. I'm in the final area now, so hopefully I don't have much more of that game to play. Well, Is it, like, roughly the same length as the previous two acts, or is there, yeah. like, you know, well, great. Well, That's too no, much game. It, it actually no, it's shorter. Okay, I was gonna say because that portion of the map seems significantly smaller than the previous two. I wouldn't say significantly, but I would say, um, in terms of like the amount of missions, it's significantly shorter. But okay, uh, yeah, I uh, I've gotten to the point where I've like hooked up with Yuna again, and we've freed some like a uh, temple or something, which acts as you know your base for that act and now you see why i said you messed up with the horse choice ah rest in peace kage yeah so see i started with a white horse and named it sora so then when that one died i switched to a black horse and called it kage yeah i become the ghost makes a lot more sense narratively i really goofed it up yeah idiot uh, I I had mentioned to you that I briefly threw the game onto like English dub for a little bit, and I like that Jin sounds vaguely like Timothy Dalton, which is just a certain yeah. It, there there's a certain quality in the voice. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I need to check. I don't know if they're using uh like English speaking Japanese actors for it, uh, but everyone sounds like they have Japanese accent at the very least. So it's not just you know oh Troy Baker showed up in Ghost of Tsushima or something like that. Isn't George Takei in it? I think he is. Maybe. I don't know. Do they talk like Deus Ex characters? (laughs) Yeah, they say, I I spew my drink. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, No, that dub is actually not half bad. I could see me playing that whole game that way but that feels like a betrayal to what Ghost of Tsushima is trying to be. I already kind of feel bad I'm not using Kurosawa mode more well, often. Well but at the same time all of the mouth movements are synced to the English dub which is yeah, weird. Yeah I, I was going to say there's been a lot of moments in that game where the mouths don't line up with what they're saying in Japanese yeah. uh, 
the mouth animations in general are very bad in Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, especially the not cutscene ones where it's just like oh, shot yeah. reverse shot of guys just going rom 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 rom. <laughs> had a few times where their mouths have moved and they didn't say anything. So this is a bizarre reversal of like early anime dubs. Mm. Uh, but yeah. going back to the uh, Xbox Bethesda thing, you can totally see why they're doing this, like as a initiative to expand on Game Pass specifically. Yeah. Um, because as it is, Microsoft don't have a whole lot of games. And so now they do all of a sudden, which is nice. Um, also, I do not think it's a coincidence that they announced this the day before Series X pre-order is open. Yep. I was going to mention as of this recording, tomorrow the pre-orders will open up. That's right. I got to uh, head to GameStop which, in the morning. Which at least they're handling this better than Sony man like they're actually saying when this stuff is going to happen instead of filtering it all through keely well uh, yes and no because the thing is with the way like the haphazard way the ps5 pre-orders opened at least they weren't all bought by bots immediately yeah so that's a good thing so i like yeah i, I don't know if it was keely it was somebody had to pull up um it was like, were you able to get a pre-order in for a PS5? That was and, Okay, yeah. And, like, half of the respondents, there were a lot of votes. Uh, half of them said yes. So that's yeah. way better than I would have expected. Yeah, I actually uh, I had a pretty smooth time checking out with mine. Like, Walmart at that point in time was not so hammered that I wasn't able to do it. Although, a uh, little small funny story about that... Uh, Following what Max had mentioned on the podcast about setting up a tab reloader, I did that for all the sites so I could quickly get on it. And then on Walmart, that tripped up my account and made it seem like something not good was happening with it. So when I was checking out, they're like, oh, we locked your account. We need you to re-verify some information. So I had to jump through a bunch of hoops to try to get back into like the cart and actually check out with that thing and... Thankfully, I was able to. But and GameStop's the uh, website was like banning people who were doing that or uh -huh. something. So yeah, that I really liked uh, Keely posting the screenshot of him getting banned on there, which is just him admitting that he was using a tab reloader. Well, yeah, yeah, but uh, which is funny because I did that on GameStop too, and I did not get banned, which. I would say thankfully, but also I don't know when I'd ever buy anything off of GameStop otherwise. It's a good thing they're doing console pre-orders though, so GameStop will still be alive for a little bit longer. That's right. It's the like thing that... I'm curious about with the uh, Xbox Series X has to do with that terrible fucking title, that, yeah. that horrible name they gave it. Is how yeah. many how many grandmas do you think are gonna ruin Christmas this year? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a well, lot. I mean, they they completely discontinued the Xbox One X, so that at least removes some of the confusion. Yeah, uh, this is actually however because my brain is getting older. But this is my version of the Wii U, where it keeps throwing me off because they do the X and S thing for the Xbox One, and now they're continuing that branding. But there's very little in that title to help me differentiate it. Uh, yeah, I didn't have like, that problem, like, problem with the Wii U though. Apparently, so I don't know. It's like they're taking notes from the Wii U. I don't know if that's a yeah. That's a guide they want to copy. 
I so, don't know. I, I mean, I think they're they're going to have an easier time with it, though. Part of the Wii U's problem was that a very large casual base bought into the Wii, and so them getting confused off the Wii U specifically is what fucked everything up. I feel with, like, Xbox, they don't quite have that same demographic, so it's maybe less of an issue. There's like less to... grandmas buying the Xbox or playing it at the retirement home, is what I'm saying. I have something to share with you which okay. I I don't know if you have paid attention to the versions of Call of Duty that are coming out absolutely not uh it's a mess all right like, lay it on me absolutely okay um I've I've just got a thing up here uh so the regular version is Xbox 1 that also plays on Xbox Series X but it is just the Xbox One version. And if you get that one, you cannot upgrade to the Series X version. What the fuck? Okay. If you want the Series X version, you have to get the $70 one, mm-hmm. which has the Series X version and also the Xbox One version. So I could buy the one that's for the Xbox Series X and then play that on the Xbox One. But if yes. I buy the Xbox One version, I can't play it on the Series X. Correct. All right, smooth as butter so far. Keep going. So, so they're, but, they're using like short change techniques. Sounds yes. about right to me. But if you buy the digital version for Xbox One, you can upgrade that to the Series X version for $10. You cannot if you get the disc one. Is. You know how the websites will frequently have like pre-order guides so you know precisely what you're getting where uh-huh. you pre-order a game? It's just going to be that shit now, except with versions of games for or old consoles and the new consoles for like the next year. Well, the thing is like most of them are just like, it's the same game. Like I think uh, Avengers is that way. I think if you well, went out and got the Xbox One one now, it's... it would just be that. The Miles Morales one is very confusing to me, actually, because I would wonder if they are going to do anything at all with letting you upgrade the original Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4. Because uh, Miles Morales just stand alone. That, I mean, it's a... Yeah? Why would you upgrade decently... the original one to it? It's because a different game. All... Well, they are selling a version of that that comes, like, on the same disc of the original Spider-Man and Miles Morales. Yes. But it's a deluxe edition thing, so it costs right. more money. But then, like, I wasn't clear on that for a while because when they put that out, I thought, like, okay, wait a minute. So does that mean that all copies of Miles Morales just come with Spider-Man on it? Uh, but no. Uh, so if you want that game, uh, just the Miles Morales portion of it, it's 50 bucks, which seems like a bit much to me, actually. Um, mm, but I don't know. Right I, I was... I, seeing them bundled together then got me rolling with like okay would there didn't be some sort of discount or an upgrade if you have spider-man on the ps4 or what they might do with that because they're also putting miles morales out on the ps4 as well so i mean it, I no, it's sure. the same thing as that um that one call of duty they put out that had the uh, more expensive version that came with modern warfare remastered and at the time but they the, claimed like this is the only way you're going to be able to get it and that wasn't yeah. true this what's probably going to go down is i'm just going to spend the 50 bucks on miles morales because i don't want to think about it okay pay money play game yeah sure as, as someone as someone who has not um read anything about the new consoles at all this is unbelievably confusing this is like 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. This uh, is like this the in- Ford... this is... This is this the Inland Empire of buying consoles. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to do the locomotion. <laughs> Give me my bourbon. I need to play the PlayStation 5. Uh, yeah, is that Inland Empire? Which one is that? No, that's, um, that's Blue Velvet. Blue uh, Velvet. All right. So... Look, at this point, it's just choose your own David Lynch with these fucking consoles. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like... I'm going for the wild at heart. Sing an Elvis song so, and crack a guy's head on the floor. So you're buying a Nintendo, gotcha. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I this forward compatibility thing I think also is just going to really gimp this first year of these consoles, especially in Microsoft's case, where they want everything to be forward compatible. Everything yeah. has to run on the Xbox. So that just means they're going to be making compromises across the board on this stuff. Right. Um, with Sony, there's still some of that, but like. Miles Morales being on the PlayStation 4 is not too surprising considering they're still just using the framework of the first Spider-Man game, which was, of course, designed entirely for the PlayStation 4. So, like, yeah. that's that's fine. That's That bothers me less. There's a lot of people who are invested in console wars shit, which means that they have very smooth brains. I can't stand that stuff. I think it's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. But still seeing people go like, aha, Xbox has won because... Sony actually is also doing forward compatibility. So their argument that they got games uh, sucks and is terrible and invalidates the whole console. And it's like, no, because actually, even though that is going to be a thing on the PlayStation 5, it's still worse on the Xbox. Well, yeah, the Xbox is just a plan to do it all year. And it's just as far as I know, it's just Miles Morales and Horizon 2. Uh, yeah. Demon Souls is not on PS4 as far as I know. Um I believe they said Ratchet and Clank specifically will not be uh, because they wanted the SSD for their portal stuff. Um, God yeah. of War, I highly doubt, will be on PS4 oh. as well. Yeah, I, I mean, God of War is going to be, like, what, holiday 2021? I think so, probably. So, uh, And that's something that, considering how taxing the first one was on the PS4, this one would just, like, yeah. melt them. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. the, most people's PS4s are like, they sound like jet engines, they're filled with cockroaches, It's there's no way you're getting uh, a new God of War on it. Um, so, uh, Max, previous <laughs> guest, uh, he, his PS4 just straight up shut down when playing God of War. Oh, it, great. It, 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 that, that was too much for it, it was just like, nope, actually, I'm going to take a nap. I think mine did crash at one point, like it just restarted the console. Um, cool. I was playing it for a pretty significant length of time. Uh, my fond memory of God of War is preparing for a colonoscopy, and every moment I wasn't spending in the bathroom was being spent on the couch playing God of War. And so I beat basically that entire game in one sitting. Like a like an absolute madman. Good times. No. no I pit- <laughs> colonoscopy? Yeah, I had to do a colonoscopy, so. Oh. Yeah. I'd rather do that than play God of War. Boom. <laughs> wow. Got him. Shots fired, man. Have I ever, uh, speaking of disgusting things, have I ever told my cockroach TV story on this podcast? Larry? I don't think so. All right, well, since uh, since our esteemed guest brought up cockroaches inside video game consoles, <laughs> it reminded me of this. Uh, I used to do... Uh, I used to work at a rent-a-center. I was employed directly by the Hulkster himself. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, selling overpriced video game consoles, you know, buy a PlayStation 3, the original unit, for basically $1,200 over the course of, like, a long-term contract. Not ripping people off at all. Also, the console's banned <laughs> because people kept fucking around online who had it before you. Um, but anyway, there, I would do deliveries, and then I would also do pickups and repossessions, unfortunately, for some of these items. And we had a customer who had a big screen TV, big CRT that he had bought from us. It was incredibly heavy, incredibly large. And he had completely paid it off. And he called us up and he's like, my TV is not working. We normally don't service stuff that has been completely paid off. But my boss is like, hey, we can get him back as a customer if we do him the solid. So we drive over there. We walk inside. Immediately, there are cockroaches all over the place, German cockroaches, and there's a hole in the ceiling. And so my partner, he goes over and talks to the guy with the TV. Well, I'm just staring at this mess and surveying everything. And they're speaking in Spanish. And then my partner comes back and he says, okay, so what he told me was he heard something in the ceiling in the kitchen. And he took a broom and he tapped it a few times. And then the ceiling caved and cockroaches poured out of it all over the place. And now the cockroaches are all over the TV and the TV doesn't work. <laughs> so I was like, well, okay, the cockroaches have fried the TV out. So let's not take this cockroach infested TV back with us. This is disgusting. I want to go home. But my partner insisted we pick it up. So we're lifting this TV and I have German cockroaches just crawling all over my body now. And under the TV also, by the way, dead rat. So that's neat. Great. And then we get this TV to the truck and I get freaked out by the cockroaches, and I drop it, and I smash my finger underneath the TV. <laughs> so that is my experience with cockroaches being inside of electronics. Uh, it is now like a thing that I live in perpetual fear of living in like an apartment complex. Is that somebody connected to my unit could get cockroaches that being like get inside my complex and then inside my electronics, and then that's just this whole fucked up nightmare. This is different oh from God, how I, I remember the story. This, this, this that guy sounded so casual about having his house infested with cockroaches. Yeah, he seemed pretty cool with it. Uh, just very comfortable. <laughs> He's like, he yeah, thought that this TV could be fixed. So, yeah, we sent it to our service center. Our service center threw it in a dumpster and then called us up and said, if we ever send them anything like that again, they will never do business with us. <laughs> I I thought I remembered you saying you dropped it and the front of it shattered and swarms of cockroaches came out of it. No, no. That's how I remember it. That's you're misremembering it then. I may no, I might I just be thinking of my... the ceiling thing. Yeah, I mean, so I I mean I didn't see the ceiling cave either. It was just that way when I got there, but there was definitely a hole in the ceiling. Uh and yeah, like when I dropped it, it also like pinned my finger down on like the grating of the lift for the truck, and then I instinctively twisted my finger. So like yeah, I had whatever. this big like crescent shaped scar going down my finger. And yeah, no one cares about uh, that. So, uh, all right, here we go. Retro corner, everyone's favorite. Speaking of cockroaches being inside of things, I feel like I'm filled with cockroaches because I completed System Shock One. Woo! I bet you wouldn't be able to do it. I was wrong. Yeah, I didn't think you'd be able to do it either. I showed you, fuckers. <laughs> yeah? Well, how was the experience? I, be I beat Donkey Kong 64, getting all the golden bananas and everything else, and you guys are sitting here going, like, he'll never beat System Shock 1. Surely he wouldn't. 
Well, you underestimate my powers. I think System Shock 1's a little more complicated than the children's monkey game. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, with Donkey Kong, you know... You, you think that, but you're wrong. You just roll around and the, you, get, you get, ooh, banana and everything. Yeah, it's fine. Look, I gotta switch between five different fucking monkeys to traverse this factory that is, like, not actually connected in the way you think it is, and it's playing tricks on your mind. None. Oh, I played that game. The red ones you get with Diddy Kong, the pink ones you get with Tiny Kong. Easy stuff, easy stuff. Purples with Tiny Kong, actually. You uh, cretin. Well. <laughs> have, you, uh, um, have you seen the map of that factory level in Donkey Kong 64, though? Yeah, don't the rooms like just not add up at all? Yes. Yeah, it's like it just... it's non-Euclidean geometry or something. It's... Yeah, it is a legitimate like psychological terror. The way yeah. that level is laid out it is very confusing and very just disconcerting to play it. Yeah. Uh, similar to System Shock One, which has a lot of maps where, boy, rooms upon rooms upon rooms, and most of them don't have anything inside of it. Uh, Real GoldenEye 64, the way that they laid out some of the maps in that game, uh, which I'm actually kind of cool with. Yeah, like, I like, you I like that you're actually in a ship. I like the design of that game a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of where to start with this thing, which is, first of all, me saying I wanted to play it and then you guys doubting me because uh, you're terrible friends. And then well, I sat down and tried yes. to play the game, and I could not figure out how to turn my body, and there was a moment where I thought, son of a bitch, they're going to win. They're going to beat me. I'm not going to play this fucking video game. It never occurred to you it might be the arrow keys. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I eventually figured it out. Uh, didn't feel good, but I got it down. Um, yeah, I, like... That game is uh, very old and feels like you're playing on like a graphing calculator is how I heard it described. Like just all the stuff at the top of the HUD where you have like the different sliders and your body is like lowering and turning and I could not like wrap my, like I had a moment where I was like, do I need to move the mouse up over here to move my character? And like that kind of works, but also that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah, the game is like you're piloting uh, part man, part Commodore 64. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, but yeah, like the story of System Shock, I think, is what kind of kept me the most invested in it, which shouldn't be too surprising since this is like the game that popularized the whole, like, oh, you're picking up audio logs and you're getting little chunks of the story. Uh, although I like that all of the voice acting is really, really, really bad in a very endearing way, except for Shodan, which is incredibly good, especially for the period that the game came out. Uh, I would say, actually, most of it's pretty good for the period. For the period, yeah. But, like, a lot of it doesn't hold up, except for Shodan, which completely holds up. Yeah, and, and so the main thing about you getting into this is that you were fascinated by the concept of Shodan. Yeah, uh, Shodan's, which... like, basically my perfect girlfriend. She calls me an insect, and then she gives me $10. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, so that, I guess, is sort of the important thing with you playing System Shock 1, because she's not into that much. But Shodan's no, all over one. Yeah, that's an unfortunate thing about 2, is that 
Shodan still got some good bits, but none of it approaches the whole, like, ooh, god, the title suits me well, I'm drunk on power stuff that you get in System Shock 1. Like, her dialogue is just much better written in that first game than it is in the second. Yeah, the other yeah, AI, like... was it, like, Xerxes or something? Uh, he's not yes. nearly as good. Yeah. He wants, uh, he wants your flesh. Become one with the flesh. Just lay inside my big fleshy body and just let me absorb you. No, thanks. I like. I do like. I do like her characterization in one where the game will just outright cheat and fuck with you, but you're <laughs> you're you're pretty cool with it because it's got a face attached to it. Mm-hmm. That like, was the second location of the game. Is uh, I I can't remember exactly what the function of that location is because the, the way the stage the station is la- laid out is like every layer to this has a different function for the operation of the space station uh, which is their way of also making it so each level feels like it has a different theme it's a different thing going on with it so like you got like a hydroponics level you have a recreation level uh ceo offices stuff like that but like the second area is more kind of mechanical based uh, and you're like the in the center area there's a button for like the laser control because shodan's trying to shoot a laser uh basically to blow up the earth um, and so with laser control, I was just fucking around and I saw the button and I was like, I wonder what happens if I hit laser button and it blows up the fucking earth is what it does. And then Shodan's like, <laughs> Hey man, cool. Thanks. I, I, I could push the button at any time, but I got you to do it. And that's fucking funny. Yeah. That's that's my favorite part of system shock one's design is that everything is very, uh, in universe. Yeah. Nothing nothing is very video gamey about its design. It's all it's all like no, definitely Yeah, not. well there's there's a button that can destroy the earth, so obviously you should be able to hit it. There was if let you're... me be perfectly clear, there was never any point of playing System Shock where I felt like I was actually playing a video game. <laughs> it's um, very immersive. <laughs> that's yep, that's a word to describe System Shock. It's all about being tortured in the space station, and boy, let me tell you, I Felt tortured playing this game. Um, I, I'm being too mean. System Shock actually has stuff about it that I think is pretty neat. A lot of the stuff that is bad about it is just, hey, at this point in time, nothing like this really existed. They were basing it off this like Ultima thing. And... Ultima Underworld, which, yes, yeah. I, that's why I'm trying to get you to play that, because I want to see if you can tolerate that now. Oh, that, that one's aged worse than System Shock 1. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I like when I hit the button and I blew up the earth. It, of course, is an automatic game over, and I lost about 20 minutes of progress, uh, which at first was frustrating, and then when I bounced back into it, it only took me like three minutes to get back to where I was, because most of the 20 minutes was wandering around in a loop, going, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I did the cyberspace thing, I don't know. Well, also, though, there was one part where you were stuck and you showed me the map. And I looked at it, I was like, <laughs> I mean, there's like a quarter of this that hasn't been sure. uncovered. So probably you need to go somewhere around there. But the problem with that, too, though, was I had gone around towards those locations and could not find a pathway to actually, like, get to those sections of the map. And eventually I, I did. But and I get your jet boots. Uh-huh. Which you actually... I don't. I think you don't even need those. Probably not. If you're really good, if you're really good at, well, you needed them with the original control scheme because a lot of 
System Shock One's challenge is kind of broken by mouse look. Yeah. Yeah. That I yes, I'd mention that it, it seems way, way, way easier if you just have mouse look, uh, especially yeah. for enemies that are like above or below you. Yeah, like the first part of the game where you blow up the Shodan's terminals for the first time, and then she just sends like twenty dudes after you, not having mouse look on for that. Boy, you gotta Jesus be really Christ. clever with your. You gotta be really clever with grenades. Yeah, the, the grenades I found myself using pretty frequently in this because they're a good way. If, if like you know there's some bullshit in the room ahead of you, tossing one of those out will generally make things easier. Uh, I've had a lot of times where they don't quite throw the way that you think that they're going to, and then you blow yourself up. But see, that was like the thing that surprised me the most when I played System Shock 1 and System Shock 2 is I think, gameplay-wise, I think I preferred System Shock 1 in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I kind of think so, too, honestly. like Mostly because mostly the any goodwill that's built up over System Shock 2, the ending, the last, like, uh... one minute destroys yeah. all goodwill yeah the the bit where you guys like nah is that what you're talking about yeah okay i i don't know i think uh system shock one also falls into a similar problem uh well like... i think any any game in that genre for some reason face plants at the ending none of them can end properly yeah i was gonna I... say it's, it's like a tradition at this point that they all so... have to have a bad ending you guys are going to probably yell at me for this because I understand that this has apparently become a very divisive thing, even though I liked it at the time and I continue to like it. I enjoy how Bioshock Infinite ends. I understand if you try to actually pick it apart with any real logic, it completely falls apart on you. But like that first time where I'm just totally immersed in what's going on and I'm just shutting my brain off and letting Ken Levine jerk me around by the cock, like had a good time with that ending. And then oh. like the burial at sea thing, which I which I insist is the true ending of Bioshock Infinite. I like that even more. You can well, eat me alive now. The difference between me and you is that I didn't like any of Bioshock Infinite. I, Bioshock Infinite I do not like as much as the first two Bioshocks overall. I, I think that game didn't really hook me until it started unloading its weird shit at the end of the game. And I think by then, like again, my brain was just off. You don't need to have your brain on for Bioshock Infinite. You can kind of just coast through most of that thing. Well, you just go around and I dig know. through trash cans. Uh-huh, eat a hot dog. Yep. Yeah, but uh, then you got, like, you got a bunch of fucking think pieces about how it's uh, some kind of sure. step forward for a game. And it's like, you just yeah. point and shoot at guys. Yeah, yeah, like, make no mistake. Like, I, I think that kind of stuff, the, the weird pretentious air that people have around Bioshock Infinite is really fucking dumb. Like, that plot is not this brilliant masterstroke of writing or anything like that. I enjoyed it for what it is, but what it is is not what a lot of people want it to be. I just really so. like weird time travel and alternate reality things, and so... Me too. I found it entertaining. I thought going back to Rapture was neat and cool, and uh, I liked it. I you I see just... a big daddy, and I pointed at the screen, and I said, "That's a big daddy." I did and not so like I that. I got my money's worth. It's got the same problem as like the Tomb Raider reboots, where you play this psychopathic murderer, uh-huh. and you got like bits where you like it tries to humanize them and like be a cute little Disney story, and then it's like, mm-hmm. "All right, back to killing." And well, then you bash your alternate reality, even more racist than you now version of yourself to death. 
mean, to be fair, it does establish that you're a Pinkerton, so... Yeah, like, right out of the gate, they want I mean, you to it, know that it, you're a piece of shit. It does, make, it does make more sense that Booker is a fucking throat-slitting madman. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, again, I like burial, burial at Sea a whole lot for what it does with Elizabeth and kind of showing that, like, she ends up sort of becoming just a worse person for this entire experience and then also pretty much causes Bioshock 1 to happen uh, before like she gets lobotomized or something yeah that whole ending was really bleak and I yeah. was kind of into it I just I liked her just having this whole fantasy of like I'm eventually going to go to Paris when I'm done murdering all my dads and then things don't kind of work out for her either because uh, she's gone down this dark path but uh, you know again it's not it's not as good as I think a lot of people really want it to be, uh, even though I liked it. I mean, you know, it's not as good as The Last of Us Part Two. No, I mean, what game could be? Absolutely. I mean, it's a, yeah, a it's masterpiece of the genre. Uh-huh. Another game yeah, with now... slit throats. Yeah, a lot That's of right. them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, going back to System Shock, I also wanted to say one of the best game over screens in video games uh, speaking of brain stuff happening and very bleak things where they just like pull you up into the machine and just jam the stuff into your head and your eyes roll up and you become a fucking robot man spider thing. That game rules so much. I love that game over screen. There's really cool stuff in System Shock and then there's a lot about it that <laughs> just does not hold up or make it That's approachable what sucks. at all. That's what sucks is that it's like it's this amazing game that's just like there's so many blocks blockades keeping you from loving it and there's no way you could get a new player into that that way and the remake i'm worried is gonna like it looks good but it's faithful in so many ways like the weird uh level design but then it also doesn't have lean like, yeah it doesn't lean. lean it's a weird mismatch of by of uh, system shock and system shock 2 from just fucking around with that demo that they put out uh, I do not like the lighting in the remake because that coupled with the fact that they're, I guess, really leaning into the color coding of levels just makes the medical bay really harsh on my eyes. Everything's like blue. The mutants, the, the mutants look like fucking cartoon characters. Yeah, the, the visual design's a little weird, which, uh, I mean, that was a thing too, apparently, is that development of that stalled at some point because the guy who was spearheading it wanted to go in a different direction with the art style and they had brought on like the character like the uh visual designer of the first game and you know subsequent shock games and apparently he was just like fuck no like if you're going to design the look of this thing then you're going to adhere to what you hired me for and then like the entire staff quit on him and then, like, eventually they got everybody back, and so development has resumed on that thing. But, Wait. like, I don't know, man. If that's what they're going with, I'm... Uh... Was that was that the remake, or was that System Shock 3? No, that's the remake. Okay. System Shock 3 is just that now it's got brought out, bought out by Tenant. And so, uh, you know, the movie by Christopher Nolan. He's Vincent? Gonna, he's financing. Oh. Yes, I had misspoke. <laughs> you're, you're only going to be able to play System Shock 3 in theaters. Oh man, I saw an ad for that that was like, big movies are back, only in theaters. <laughs> oh, there's there's a really good ad that's running on the radio here. I'm sorry, I want to talk about this for a second. It's this lady going, this lady is saying like, when we get to the end of this pandemic, which will end someday, you'll think to yourself, how did I get through it? 
by going to the rodeo. The rodeo's <laughs> in town. We got all kinds of musical guests. Come on down to the rodeo and catch COVID. They don't even have clowns anymore, do they? I don't know. All right. I've not been to a rodeo since I was probably like a, s- a small boy, but I really just like this ad just being like, don't know how I ever got through the pandemic other than going out into public and congregating with other people. It's like saying you can only get through the pandemic by going to see Truckzilla. It's, it honestly seems like an ad that would be on like early era Simpsons. I like, like the GTA 3. Yeah, like, because it's really somber at the start of it, and then it's a new voice that comes in, and it's, it's just that kind of enthusiasm of, like, yeah, well, the rodeo's in town! Right. Ah, we're all gonna die. Oh, shit, But guys. if I... What? Dylan's mic fell over. What? I've just been informed that maintenance is at my apartment. Good times. Hell yeah. You gotta go to the maintenance level. <laughs> <laughs> You need to flip the switch to keep the internet on. Uh, yeah, no, if I die at the rodeo, just jam my head into the spider robot so I can live forever with my girlfriend, Shoban. Okay. Um, I'll do it. That's, I don't think I, I won't. I, had, I trust that you will. That's what I'm telling you. All right. uh, I had one other thing that I wanted to mention with System Shock 1 before talking about 2 for a bit, which is that the sound design in that game is very, 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 very bad. And it is amazing to me because every time I watch a retrospective or review, they say the sound design is great because Tribe, uh, the band that the voice actress for Gla- uh, for Shodan belongs to, I almost said Gladys. Yeah, Q-Tip. Yeah. Um, Life Dog. They did the sound design for the game. And I would think that, you know, a, a band, they do music all the time. They understand how sound works could do better than that. I understand that at that point in time they were working pretty much just off of midi so the audio quality you know is of course going to be very very dated and not good but a lot of music in that game just sounds like three different songs playing at the same time and completely out of sync with one another and then also there's just grinding and scratching and wailing in the background and a robot going no memo no memo yeah and so at a few points in the game the sound ambiance There were there were a few points in the game, and I'm not making this up, that the sound was so harsh on my ears, I started to actually like feel sick, like I had low blood sugar or something, and I just needed to shut the game off and like lay down and decompress for a while. That it also, felt like I had been playing VR for an hour. Yeah, but also like that happened to you with Half Life Two. Yeah, so there's like some sort of frequency of sound that like really screws my head up, uh, but there that frequency is. All over the place in System Shock. That's how I felt uh, with the Machta 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 guy in Shadow of Tomb Raider. I just had to lay this down. This is my Machta. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I mean, Shodan is, of course, m- like a lot of things in that game. Like the one exception, the thing that holds up the best is uh, Shodan's voice acting and all the audio stuff that they do with that. So it's amazing to me that that sounds so good, and then the rest of the game just it, it sounds absolutely grating and terrible and unlistenable uh is dylan still with us uh i think he might have had to deal with maintenance okay he got he got dragged off by a uh a reaver drone yeah that's what they call him this one is robot yeah he's having a deal he's like having to beat some monkeys with a wrench oh no why don't we take a break for a moment wait for dylan to come back and then we'll talk about system shock too 
Okay. right dylan i am back okay hello um that that was that was terrible well okay so like two weeks ago i walked into my bathroom and there was water on the floor and i said to myself well that's not where that should go so i called my property manager and they said oh yeah we'll send someone right over and it was like two days later and they sent someone over and he said hmm i'm gonna need some parts for this and then it's like a week later like two weeks later and he finally showed up when we're recording a fucking podcast good times awesome yeah uh well larry and i had finished up talking about system shock one the the last thing i had to say about that was the audio in that game is not good and then you had confided in me that you agree well the thing with that is that like greg uh what's his name greg lo piccolo turkington no lo lo piccolo i respect him a lot like because i like tribe a lot i think they're a really cool band he directed yeah. Thief 1, and I love that game. And I think a lot of the uh, dynamic audio stuff they did in System Shock 1 is really bold, but I, I have no love for ad-lib music or DOS music. I think it all universally sounds pretty fucking shit. The System Shock 1 has, like, all the hallmarks of it. That, that, that cowbell sound, yeah. all those weird drum noises. How sometimes just want, it'll just sound offbeat. I just want during this entire part of the conversation the sound effect for when you enter a radiated area to be playing behind <laughs> us, but also getting louder and louder and louder. Because uh, that is honestly the worst. Uh, yeah, it's just like a lot of screeching and wailing, and you know, it, we don't need to I completely think that... go over the conversation again. But since you're here, I just I wanted to kind of again say that I excuse it for the most part because they were working with MIDI and they really didn't have any other options at that point in time but it's also I wanna, bad i want to hate it but it makes me laugh out loud because when i first played system shock one i was playing it on like a family computer and uh in like the kitchen and i walked into the the irradiated room and it suddenly just like fucking blasted the speakers <laughs> yeah. and i was like i jumped out of my seat and my mom like pokes her head in the kitchen she's like what the fuck is that <laughs> so that's i i kind of like it for that alone we uh i've i've I, larry and i have spoken about this before i think even last week um are you familiar with exploding head syndrome no what is that okay so it's kind of like how you get like a sleep start like you just jolt in your sleep and you wake up uh, except instead is that you hear an incredibly loud like explosion directly next to your head that is of course not there so it's sort of like an audio-based version of like a sleep start. Okay. And I bring this up because like all the fucking sounds in System Shock are basically like having exploding head syndrome. Like they come through so loud on the speaker and they are so abrasive. It, it sucks too because like there's actually a lot of tracks in System Shock 1 that when they're presented in a better format, I think are really good. Like the level, the music that plays on the executive level, I think that's a great track. I love the opening song. A There's lot of the a, amb- yeah. the ambiance is really good. 
It's just yeah, there's a few good ones in there. There's ones that I really don't like. I, I don't think that's a soundtrack that I'm ever going to feel compelled to go back and listen to. No, but, I uh, mute it whenever I play nowadays. System Shock Two, though, I love that a, soundtrack. There's a lot going on with that game that is different than System Shock One for better and for worse. And so, of course, I want to talk about it. Uh, this is much closer to kind of like one of these sorts of games in the more traditional sense, like in in a Dave's X sense, than yeah. System Shock One that is more again graphing calculator. Uh, there, there's a, there's a lot more to discuss with System Shock Two because one is such a uh, it's very yeah. bold, but it's very basic in a there lot is of ways. No sleep tonight. What would you call these kind of games? Um, I'm gonna have to go with the uh, the shithead British YouTuber definition and just call them uh, immersive Sims. The <laughs> first one, at it. least. I the second one, the, the second one's a first person RPG though. Pretty. Yeah. Firmly. Yeah. I kind of lump them together with Pathfinder games, which, uh, you know, you're a new guest to our podcast, so we must explain again that this is the term we use in lieu of uh, Metroidvania, which is a garbage word that feels like shit coming off of my tongue. Yeah. So we don't say that here. Uh, because there's a lot of going between the various levels and kind of unlocking stuff that was previously locked down in both System Shock and System Shock 2. Although that is a thing that kind of drops off in these sorts of games because there's really not any of that in like Bioshock uh, but like th it's definitely more pervasive in System Shock uh, I feel like uh, Bioshock really closely follows System Shock too. really closely yeah, follows it very much more that kind of game but I don't remember going between the different areas in Bioshock the way that you have to in System Shock 2 because a lot of System Shock 2 is like I need you to get like a number for a door pad in this other location in the game and then run back to that number pad to get into this other area yeah that's, uh, that's my so, big problem with i was gonna say bioshock doesn't have that part where you have to like go around and get the pictures of stuff it's been a while maybe i need to get that collection that they put out actually. no you don't yeah i do all right i do remember I need to that ken levy my money um, the, the, the System Shock 2, the way it's kind of, like, structured is, like, the big issue with it, because System Shock 1, I love the structure of that game, where everything you do is trying to, like, foil one of Shodan's plans, like, there's no frivolous bullshit you're doing, whereas oh, yeah. System Shock 2, it's like, oh, get on this elevator, oh, elevator doesn't work, go through this maintenance hatch, oh, we don't have the code, go find the doctor, oh, he's yeah. not in his office, it's it just is a, a lot total of... escalation. It's a lot of really simple tasks that you're being given that then kind of explode into 12 different subtasks that you have to do. So it is, like you said, like, I need to just go down this elevator, but I need to do these eight different things to be able to just get to and ride the elevator. Whereas um, System Shock 1 is like, oh, Shodan is going to destroy Earth. Stop her. Oh, now she's yeah. coming up with a new plan. She keeps coming up. She, she feels like a really dynamic villain because she's coming up with new plans on the yeah. fly. Well, she's Whereas a computer, so she would, of course, have all these contingencies. If something didn't work, there's something to fall back on. Uh, whereas, yeah, in System Shock 2, it's just like you have the mini, which is this, um, basically, at the end of the first game, you defeat Shodan, and you kind of blow up Citadel Station, but then all that junk falls onto a planet and continues to evolve over a period of time while Shodan's memory is, like, fragmented. But then... Uh, Trioptimum comes there and they're just like, 
yo, check out this new species we just discovered. Uh-oh, shit, they're inside our brains now. And so, like, the, the plot of the game is more that you're trying to go defeat the mini, which is this sort of um, hive mind of all the different, like, biological creations of Shodan, and then Shodan has been revived and has been guiding different people on the space station to try to destroy her own creation until eventually it falls upon you to do it. Uh, and so you get, like, a lot of audio logs of different people who were previously guided by Shodan, who, like, by the end of the game realize, like, oh, shit, Shodan might be a bad guy. Well, it's, I like I like that premise a lot though, because it's like it's the enemy of my enemy kind of scenario, and I love that that yeah. story beat. I think it's a fun one, and I think it's that very good when Shodan calls you and says that you're a worm. But you oh, did I a love good that job. where she's like, "Fuck you! I hate you. Here's ten yeah. bucks. You're a testament to your species. You are a bag of flesh and paranoia. I hate you so fucking much." And anyway, sometimes it. Sometimes if you go off the if you go off the beaten path too much, she'll be like, "What the fuck are you doing, you yeah. worthless idiot?" Yeah, fuck. If you if you have around, a, dude. if you have a humiliation fetish, this might be your favorite game of all time. Well, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why I played System Shock. Um, <laughs> is it Chodan is a great villain, one of the one of the all time best villains in video games. That is actually the main reason I wanted to check out the System Shock games. Is I've listened to a lot of dialogue from the game and was just like, this is really cool, but like the game yeah. seems very difficult to approach. And I at some point I wanted to just suck it up and sit down and play them. And like, it's yeah, System Shock Two. System Shock Two is not like that obtuse or anything. No, I, I was about to say System Shock Two is actually in extremely approachable. Like again, if you played like Deus Ex and you enjoy that game, System Shock is very, very easy to get into. And I enjoyed the first Deus Ex. I think it's great. I think the difference is though that System Shock Two is very hard. It is a, it's borderline nightmarish in places. Yeah, it's really nice that they let you save anywhere at any time in both of these games. Yes. So you should constantly be doing that. Well, because my 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 friend was streaming it, and I was like, I was helping kind of guide them, because they were just getting fucking shit stomped by random. I forgot how many random deaths are all over, like the engineering deck alone. Like going through cargo bay, you turn a corner, and there's a robot who wants to kills you. Oh yeah, you, that that is actually that. I think the hardest part in the game for me was that cargo area. I think depending on how badly you've been playing, the body of the many is the hardest part. So the boss fight at the end of Body of the Mini is maybe the worst single section of game because you have to defeat this the, the core of the Body of Mini, and then inside of that room is one of the uh, psychic um, jellyfish things that then spawns like a larger jellyfish that can basically just one shot you even if you've maxed yeah, your health out all the way. It's really unclear what you're supposed to do there. Yeah. So there's. On top of this, by the way, you got like two rumblers that are constantly following you around, and their speed is such that like I didn't upgrade my speed too much. I think it was probably about in the middle of the road, but like they were just right on top of me the entire time. And then all these enemies constantly respawn. So at first I and thought, oh, I just need to clear the room out, but if you do that, it's completely pointless. You're throwing your ammo away because they're just going to spawn right back in. By that point, you probably don't have much ammo left. I, I had a decent amount, actually. I never found ammo to really be that much of an issue outside of, like, the first two areas. That's that's the big thing, like, if, like, talking about, like, System Shock 2 and Deus Ex, because they come up regularly in conversation together. Deus Ex, I think, has a really strong final half, like the Area 51, because 
no matter yeah. what play style you've picked, you your skills are pretty much being used the whole way to the end. Whereas System Shock 2, if you've been doing like an energy weapons build, you just have to start dumping points into like standard, getting anti-personal oh, yeah. rounds. You pretty His much have to say good for robots. So and so it's really good for like the Von Braun. Then you get to the Rickenbacker and you have to change your entire play style. Yeah, everything becomes flush. Like honestly, Whereas, there's really no reason to go in, into energy because even like armor piercing rounds take out robotic enemies very quickly. So I never found much use for the plasma guns. The pla the energy pistol though, I think is because you pretty much have as long as you know where a recharge station is, you have ammo for it all the time, and you're gonna yeah. encounter a lot of robots in random places. I always had one on hand just as a backup. But so that's, like that's... I typically had armor piercing rounds, so I didn't really need to like rely on it too much. So that's the interesting like comparison is that System Shock 2, you pretty much have to diversify your build. You can't just do like one straight build. You have to have a little something in everything. So I wouldn't call it a oh. great role-playing game at all. You don't need to have anything in Psy, because I didn't bother to put any points in that, because the little bit that I played around with Psy in the tutorial, I was like, this fucking sucks. Oh yeah, and a Psy-only so not... build is is unviable. You talk, you yeah, talk about the guy that made Gangnam Style? Yes. That, that, <laughs> Okay. You can't you can't dance the body of the mini to death. It turns out. It that's that's actually why the elevator's blocked in the beginning. <laughs> He's yeah. in there with the guy yeah. in the cowboy hat. Uh huh. <laughs> you have to get them out of there. You know the part where Shodan says "Opa Gangnam Style," and you're like, "Wait, what the fuck?" Yeah. Opa <laughs> Shodan Style. There's um. God, there was something that I uh. I can't remember what it was a reference to exactly, but like at the start of the game, one of the audio logs is just like, man, the security on Xerxes sucks. Someone made it play Elvis for like five hours last night. And I really just like Shodan decided to just fuck with Xerxes like that. Well, no, actually, so I'm going to show how much of a fucking nerd I am about this, but System Shock 2's backstory actually goes into depth to like the aftermath of System Shock 1. They were like, okay, this this can never happen again. So we're going to have like really strict government insight on corporations. Every AI has to have a really easy backdoor to hack into so they can be shut down instantly. And that's why Xerxes is so easily hacked into. That still seems like a bad idea because the whole like impetus for Shodan going rogue was that she got hacked into and the ethical strengths were removed. Well, I mean, if they had a backdoor that they could just go in and shut her down. Yeah, I suppose. That's like the idea. But, I don't know. I just like I just yeah. like that they thought up the the aftermath of System Shock One sure. for System Shock Two. Diego's son tries to be a good guy, uh, but then still gets like infested with the mini anyway. Oh, but he kills himself, I think. He's voiced very sexily by Steven Russell. <laughs> oh yeah. I like how you say it. Like it's it's a heartwarming thing, but then he kills himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah, oh, no, no, it's fine. He doesn't he doesn't, he he doesn't right kill thing. himself, you kill him. No, it, when you when you turn gravity off, he fucking face plants oh, and dies. Right. Yeah, that's right. You break his like fucking neck on the floor. <laughs> There's a whole portion of the game where you have to like flip a ship around, and then yeah, when you go in there, like everything's fucked and it's your fault. I forgot you that walk... you find him in there. I thought that you found him somewhere else. So. And then you walk into a chapel and like the cross is upside down, which is obvious, but yeah. it's still fun. It's still really cool. Yeah, God has left this place, man. You'll uh, see I like... Event Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> so the final, the, the boss of the, the mini, though, that I, I still want to talk about a little bit is 
yeah, it's confusing what to do because there's like these three yellow orbs that are flying around it, and the game does not tell you that you need to shoot those orbs. You think you shoot the big thing in the middle of the room, but that doesn't actually do anything. When you shoot the orbs, you lower its shield, and then you can shoot the thing in the middle, but then you're still not done yet because you have to jump into the hole that you made, except like there's this big sort of fleshy pillar that leads up to the hole, and the collision on that is weird. And so, like, the first time I beat the boss, I couldn't get up the fucking thing. I kept sliding down, and then a rumbler punched me, and I died, and I had to do it all over again. Yep, that's that System Shock 2. <laughs> Thankfully, the actual final level is really cool. It's also piss easy, which is, like, the most fucked up part about that is, like, the body of the mini is, like, a complete pain in the ass, and then when you fight Shodan, it's just, like, over in a minute. Like, yeah. if you... If you saved ice picks up to hack things, which I did because I had like level five hacking skills and so I could be a cool hacker man and break into everything with no problem, then you just like these tools you use to just like one shot hackable devices just pile up in your inventory. And so that final boss, you go down and there are these three uh, like computer terminals you need to hack into to lower Shodan shields and then you shoot her and it takes like one shot and she's dead. And so I just and run up. And I use the ice pick, and I run to the next one. I use the ice pick, and it's done. I mean, the joke's on you, because then you have to watch the final cutscene. Oh, yeah. So I, I kind of wanted to mention, too, about that that whole final boss encounter is that Shodan is merging with, like, the faster-than-light drive on the uh, Rickenbacker. And so she's able to, like, warp reality to suit her vision. And so you get back to the, uh, to the deck of the Rickenbacker, and suddenly you see the garbage bullshit cyberspace crap you had to deal with in System Shock 1. <laughs> and you're like, oh, god damn it! I'm going to shut this game off. Oh, um, we didn't even talk about cyberspace. That, I was saving it for this. Uh, cyberspace in the first System Shock is this... Uh, it controls terrible, first of all. Everything is wireframe. It looks like Tron looked better than this, which it's is very a problem. very bold. They were very bold putting yes. that in an already pretty uh pretty loaded Dense. game yeah very complex game because uh, it controls completely different from how the rest of that game controls i know um, it breaks like every rule of games yeah and then like it, again it's just it's wireframes here in a black void and then the wireframes are different colors but the problem is that it's very easy to kind of get turned around in this thing because you're always floating in whatever direction you're facing and the wireframes are like they're not like dense wireframes. It's just like no. the very edges are the parts that's drawn. And so it's really easy to just like not know you're looking at a wall. Yeah. Or like an actual pathway. Because sometimes you just yeah. look at it and your eyes blur over and you don't know like, oh, I'm supposed to actually go through here. When Whenever people play System Shock 1, I always tell them cyberspace, just set that to zero. Don't be a hero. Don't set it to two. Just set that shit to zero. I left all my stuff in both games at just like medium, like whatever came out of the box default, because I felt that that was like how they want you to enjoy the game the first time. Uh, although I really well, do appreciate like the, the really granular level of control they give you over the difficulty in the first System Shock. Like if you want the puzzles to be very easy, then you can make them easy. And if, if you want the combat to be very hard, which I don't know why you would do that. It's like it's like the only game I've played with a difficulty level for the story. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing. Actually, you, you could you can turn the story off entirely, or you yeah. can give yourself a really strict time limit, like you're playing D. 
Yeah, so I definitely did not. That one, that one yeah. was for Larry, by the way. <laughs> Shout out to D. That's uh, kind of for me, too. I remember D. I love D. D4, regrettably, not a sequel to. Unfortunately. Well, in my bad brains. I keep thinking it is. Um, yeah, so you, you get to the deck of the Rickenbacker and you see cyberspace, and yeah, you have this moment where you're like, oh, I remember that from the first game. It was terrible. Uh, and then you step through, and you're in the first area of the first game uh, for a bit. And it's, it's neat. And, like, not all of it's filled in. There's still sections of cyberspace, so it looks like Shodan is still building it out. And she's like, oh, you're in my memories now. Shit's going to get real fucked for you. And then she just kind of dies. Yeah, it sucks because that the first half of that final area, you're like, whoa, this is this is a final level. This is badass. Then yeah. you have that boss fight and that ending, and you're like, oh, well. I just blew up. I just shot a grenade at the fucking master computer from Tron, and I guess the game is over now. And then that cliffhanger ending, which oh, yeah, so man, they they know better. Yeah, they it, the ending is Shodan is pleading for her life. Uh, this is a funny thing about Shodan in this game is that she's basically making you in her image, and she even says as much. At one point, she's like very, very proud of you, and it feels good and nice, and I felt warm inside. Yeah, and then she's like, she's like, she's like beholden to you. Like none of none of her plans can go yeah. right unless she has you. Yeah, she, you're like the one thing that really actually worked out for her pretty well. And then completely arbitrarily, she decides it's time for you to die now. And I, I think uh, yeah. that. Perhaps the logic there is, well, I had this, like, flesh monster species, and that was working out for me really well for a while, and then all that went real bad. So now that all my problems are out of the way, I should maybe make sure that hacker man here can't do me over like the mini did. And then when she, then when you you beat her in the boss fight, she does the whole, like, you and me can rule this city, Spider-Man. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you're like, then you literally say, nah. And just shoot yeah. her. <laughs> Fucking shoot her it's... with a gun. I remember when I first saw, like, well, because, like, I think I had seen the ending online before, and I thought it was like someone doing like a cute little edit. Then I played the game, yeah. and I was like, "What? That that yeah, that is that's that's, that's the ending." And then, um, and then I, I I can't. It's you on the escape shuttle at the very end, right? Or is it a different? No, character? no, no. It's a you know that terrible side plot about those two lovers like trying to escape the ship. Yes. And they successfully escape, and then Shodan infects the the girl somehow. I I don't know. Yeah, she shows up, and then I had a moment where I was like, "Oh no, Shodan is fuckable now." And then the credits <laughs> came in, and it was robbed of the ending that I wanted from the game. You know, it's funny because System anyway, Shock. How much 1 is Midnight also... Succubus on Steam? Is it one bucks? I'm sorry. Well, wait. Did did you just... max out your S link with Shodan? That might be the problem. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. System Shock One is a pretty jarring ending too, because the final boss is in cyberspace, which I mean, I guess makes sense since you're a hacker. Yeah. And you like you fire at her, and then it just ends. But and that she ending, also similarly think, dies very fast in that too. That ending's a little more clean, where the hacker they offer him a job at tryout, and he's like, "Nope," and then he goes back to hacking. And it's got like that line that's just like old ha old habits die hard, and then it's the like, credits. I like in on that. I like that guy a lot. I like that main character in System Shock One. Yeah, and two, you're the, just um, like a soldier, right? You're just yeah, generic yeah. military. Yeah, had his his memories conveniently wiped uh, because Shodan put you in a pod and started making you a, a 
mesh of man and machine for her purposes, but you having knowledge of everything that went down uh, in the Von Braun would have been a problem for her, so she erases your memories. Which I do like that in System Shock too, because it makes sense. Because her whole thing yeah. is that she has like backup plans for her backup plans. So she'd be like, "Oh, I'm gonna put some like cyber, like some a neural link in this guy and put him in storage in case I need him." Yeah, but like I, I really like the plot of System Shock too. Like all this stuff about you know the exactly how the Von Braun fell apart and following these various storylines of how it impacted each different like upper level personnel on the station. Like, the stuff with Polito and her kind of getting duped by Shodan, too, and then, like, the reveal of, like, oh, the Polito form is dead, bitch, it's me, Shodan. Like, and then the, the room be... falls away. Yeah, that is such a great scene, and also would have been an amazing twist if they had done absolutely nothing beforehand to indicate that Shodan was in the game. Because, like, oh, I don't yeah, know I... how they packaged that originally, but I have to feel that they still had Shodan on the cover. Oh, yeah. It was... oh, no, I have, I, have, I have the box right next to me, actually. It's a holographic cover of Shodan's face looking oh, there at you. Go. Yep. Yeah. But there's even stuff in the first part of, like, in the early parts of the game of, like, yeah, I found, like, a data chip on the planet, and there seems to be, like, a fragmented AI on it, and I'm going to play a little bit of it, and, huh, wow, that sounds like Shodan, all right. Um, and the, but the like only if flip... you had done nothing to indicate that that was happening like at that point in time when this came out that probably would have been like a really mind-blowing twist then if you flip open the uh front to the uh the, the inside them it says she wants your body incoming message from shodan uh... like they did they did nothing to hide it <laughs> well also though like, system shock body. system shock 2 originally was not System Shock 2, right? Wasn't it supposed to be something else? And then they were like, ah, we're gonna put Shodan in this. I, th- I, yeah, I think they got the, I think they started like pre-production, but then they got the rights to System Shock, and they're like, oh, shit, let's put Shodan in it. Yeah. Because this is, uh, this is also the first game that Kim Levine worked on. Because uh, I know and, that he wanted to go write for Hollywood for a while, and then for whatever reason got into uh, doing video games. Did Actually, you know? his um, first one was Thief. He did the story for Thief. Thief came out before System Shock 2? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know that. Did you know there is another Ken Levine in Hollywood uh, who is like a writer for MASH? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> There's two Ken Levines running around. Um, speaking of things that are kind of more pretentious than they should be, MASH. So maybe it's just something with people named Ken Levine. I don't know. Well, you don't think it's me... h- hilarious? kids are ran through minefields or whatever that's a little bit funny yeah it's kind of a good you know, goof ken, Le- ken levine is pretentious but sure he he can write some good dialogue yeah i guess he can write he can be really compelling when he wants to and then he can make bioshock infinite that's the thing that i find fascinating about these games too is just kind of the lineage behind them is that like and Every single stage, every single one of these games, no matter how divorced from each other as like a singular entity, somebody from System Shock is still working on them. Like there's not a single one of these types of games that doesn't at least have like one person responsible for System Shock like working on it. Right, and I like, think that's kind of neat. Like Harvey Smith is over at Arcane and Warren Spector, I think, is working on System Shock 3, right? Yes, uh, he is. Yeah, uh, China that. unfortunately owns Warren Spector now, so mm. uh, 
But yeah, like, but yeah, of course, like, you know, Ken Levine going on and very famously doing all the Bioshocks and everything. And yeah, yeah it's, it, it's just, it's neat that that pedigree is still out there, that there's not one of these games has been made that is by someone who is completely disassociated from it. Uh, well, here's a really cool lineage from System Shock. So System Shock 1, the like the concept was by Austin Grossman, and he voiced Edward Diego poorly. And then he oh, went on yeah. to direct Jurassic Park Trespasser. Oh, man. Yep, he directed <laughs> Trespasser. Oh, no. Perfect. Talk about, talk about a bold game. Oh, yeah. God. It was doing stuff. Sure. I... Very few games have a health meter on your character's tits, so yeah. you gotta give it something. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was, it was doing physics puzzles before Half-Life 2. Move these crates I like around. I like Trespasser a lot, even though I don't think I should. No, you should not. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't... um. What's kind of like, because Larry told me that you're way into these kind of games, and something I like to do on this podcast a lot is kind of talk about like what my familiarity was with these games, you know, contemporary with when they came out, uh, whether or not I actually played them. But for like System Shock, I don't really have that. I was not very cognizant of PC games at that moment in time. And so System Shock for me was mostly just finding out about it from just, you know, seeing Shodan get brought up in, in videos on YouTube and, and seeking up clips and stuff like that. And then, of course, finding out, like, okay, well, yeah, I played Bioshock when that came out and what, what led up to Bioshock. Uh, but for you, like, what was your experience with these games back in the day? Um, I'm trying to remember, because, like, I'm a, I'm a little bit younger than both of you. So oh. my exposure to... I thought you were 45 years old. Larry has lied to me. Uh, these no, notes I have here for the guests are completely wrong. <laughs> well, because well, my exposure was like uh, really early, like early internet. Uh, hearing about System Shock Two is like the scariest game ever, and I was really <laughs> fucking into scary ass games. I was like, oh, it's a sci-fi shooter, and I thought the wrench, I thought the wrench was like a weird chicken bone thing. Looking at the footage, and I was like, it, oh, this game looks pretty neat. It does not look like a wrench to me. No, it doesn't. But I love it because yeah. it's just it's just Garrett's sword from Thief remodeled. Yeah. And then when I did play it, I thought it was the scariest game I'd ever played. That's like that so first weird playthrough is System Shock Two. That's so weird to me because it's something that I heard get so something I I tend to do before I get into a game is I'll also look up kind of retrospectives or reviews and kind of get what other people's impressions of it are who clearly care more about these games than I do because I've not played them. Uh, and one of the things that was pretty consistent with System Shock 2 was like, oh, turn off all the lights and play it on, on midnight, on a moonless night, because System Shock 2 is the scariest game ever made! And, like, none of it, not even a little bit, was frightening to me. Like, the first one is more eerie, but also, like, neither of these games really spooked me. I, I was think underwhelmed. I first played System Shock 2 when I was, like, 14 or 13. With like a good pair of headphones at night, and wow, that it was it was very tense. It was a very uh, stressful game. Fear is more frightening to me than the system what? shocks. I think, yeah. What? And that's not to say I'm that's not to say I'm scared by the fear games at all. What about when but... that skeleton comes up from the blood hallway? 
I thought that was a pretty funky skeleton, and I <laughs> he's a like, cool guy, he's, and I was he's not trying to give you a hug. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I fear I've been replaying it. I love that game. Yeah, like I like the scare sections because they're a fun little diversion. But I actually the actual combat on the higher difficulties is way scarier. Mm. Oh yeah, that, because the enemies the are very credible. Yeah, that, there's a for for when that game came out, there's a lot of really cool stuff that they did with the AI in that of just like these squads actually coordinating with each other and calling out where you are. Like Fear did some pretty neat stuff back in the and, day. And I love first person uh martial arts. That's right. Jump the fact kicks. that you, yes. you fact you have a dedicated roundhouse kick button. Love Only Fear and Breakdown cool. have have met my uh quota for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Breakdown also has the add bonus of first-person cheeseburger eating. And first-person oh. vomiting. Yeah. Ooh. Man, I might need to play that. It, um, it was the original wait. Soda Drinker, too. Yeah, Soda Drinker Pro got all its ideas from Breakdown. You never played Breakdown? Nope, never played it. Oh, that's a great oh. one. That's I know, I'm hurting game. you, Larry. I, I'm it's now that image to... of the guy, like, <laughs> pulling his headphones off in disgust. <laughs> No, I, like, this is, uh, so I'm not easily scared by video games, or by, like, much of anything, for whatever, like, I, this is weird for me, because, like, I'm afraid of babies. Let's get into this for a second. Like, babies terrify me. There's oh, yeah, just something horrible. about babies that are disgusting and vile, that even baby paraphernalia, if I see a pacifier, I'm like, I, uh, I can't, and I'll close the window. Um monkeys i'm afraid of so actually system shock 2 with the fact that there were like fucking monkeys running around like didn't scare me but like made me angry in a way that it shouldn't have actually made me angry because <laughs> like i just saw a monkey and I'm, like i heard a monkey and i was just like oh fucking no there's not like this is just going to be a room there's monkeys inside of it. <laughs> and then like i look around a corner and there's a fucking monkey and i'm like god damn it and then the monkey shot me with a fucking like psychic bolt and i died and i got like actually fucking pissed i'm imagining i'm imagining george sitting in like a crt gripping his mouse really tight like red-faced getting really pissed off at fucking monkeys <laughs> it was a lot of like it was a lot of just like as I'm, like, bashing monkeys in the fucking head that have, like, swarmed upon me and just yelling at my computer screen. That's all System Shock 2 was. I'm, I'm glad There's... one thing, I'm glad one thing uh, in the game managed to get you. I would just, like, see a monk, I'd turn around and there's just a fucking monkey and i just, like, quickly, like, wheel over to my shotgun and just start fucking spraying <laughs> at the monkey, trying to kill it before it got over me. So much of System Shock was just that. <laughs> It's just the bit like Indiana Jones getting lowered into like that temple full of snakes. Except I'm just like monkeys. Why did it have to be monkeys? Of, a bunch of monkeys. Yeah. Me getting into the plane at the start of Indiana Jones and just throwing a fucking monkey out of it. I like imagining you like getting furious when playing time splitters with someone and they pick the monkey. <laughs> so actually like Time Splitters 2, my favorite part about that game is the level, like, you can make your own levels. And so what my friend and I did at the time is we made a Capture the Flag level that was just entirely a straight line. You'd have to go down a murder hallway to actually be able to win that thing. And then we maxed out the AI on both sides with just monkeys. <laughs> and so... Just a we'd kill also, hallway like, for monkeys? Yes. And we loaded up with, like, just, like, explosive weapons was the only ordinance that you would have. 
And so it's just explosions popping off constantly. It would take like an hour for someone to actually score one point with the flags. We had to set it that one point would win the game. But it was like complete madness in the murder hallway. <laughs> it's like a Battlefield 3 level. Yes. <laughs> I think that, that, that actually is like my favorite like map creation tool is Time Splitters 2 and the the metric I use to determine whether a map creation tool is good is whether or not I can recreate the murder hallway. The the best uh, multiplayer thing my friends and I used to do is my, we would play the Red Faction 1 multiplayer and we'd have dig-offs to see who could dig into the map until they hit the oh, geomod limit. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good too. Man. Anyway, I got completely off track with fucking monkeys. Um, monkeys. Yeah, like I, I don't Monkey. I don't typically scare monkey uh i don't typically scare easily uh there are a few games that actually get under my skin like the silent hill games actually kind of unnerve me uh especially that first one like playing that with the lights off actually kind of freaked me out a little bit yeah i think it's the playstation one graphics that really give it yes. an edge there is a reason why there is a whole like subgenre of horror games now that specifically try to emulate playstation one graphics and the soundtrack for System Shock 1, like, during really scary moments, the soundtrack is, like, Akira Yamaoka, like, slamming his dishwasher, oh, throwing God, pots and yeah. pans around. It, yes. It's just an assault. Also, it has those uh, babies with knives. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a factor. To, if it had uh, monkeys at the same time, that actually might just be the scariest game ever made. I don't think I'd be Another... able to finish it. Uh, a game that I find really scary at times that you should totally play how you've played System Shock, are the Thief games. I should get to those, yeah. Uh, although I'm less those... clear on which ones of those are good and which ones of them are bad, because I know like some of the Thieves One through are three. terrible. One through three, the first three are probably the best trilogy of games ever made. Okay, yeah, it's so it's just a Sonic the Hedgehog that's situation really... where you play the first three and then you never touch anything else. Yeah, it's well, then just you have four Thief, Deadly really Shadows, and Knuckles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would play the fucking shit out of that game, honestly. I mean, well, in Thief 3, you can, like, cli climb up walls, so it's oh, kind of no, like Knuckles. Knuckles. I, think, um, I think Thief 1 is probably my favorite, because just a nostalgia. Thief 2, I think, is objectively the better one, but Thief 1, I have a lot of love for. I like well, 3 I think, the most. I think what I'm going to do is, uh, I don't know how much Larry filled you in with, but I basically have this list of 250 games that are like, I really want to play these before I die, which is becoming an increasing possibility uh, <laughs> with the way that everything is fucking exploding in the world around me. Uh, and like on there, uh, again, is Ogre Battle, March of the Black Queen, and then Tactics Ogre, which is a game I've tried to play multiple times, and even though I really like Final Fantasy Tactics, I, I can't get like more than two hours into Tactics Ogre. And so I'm thinking of just ripping those out and replacing them with something. So maybe either the Thief games or the two Sonic Adventures. And I feel like either way, if we have you come back, you, you might have stuff to say about well, either of those. You already know which game I think is the best of those two. Sonic Adventure, it is. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, come on. <laughs> Looks like I'm playing this shit again. <laughs> um, no, I actually... Uh, well, the Thief games, you... I would really recommend dedicating time to those because if you got like a good pair of headphones and you can really immerse yourself into it, it's like, it's like stepping into another world. See, I also do every 
October, I do horror games exclusively. I refuse to play anything else in the, in the October months. And so, like, I'm kind of at the last chunk of horror games I have on my list, and I was going to dedicate this October to getting those done. So, like, you know, Halloween passed this one. I might sit down and finally play the Alone in the Darks and the Thiefs. Thief 1 is definitely very horror-centric. Like, it's, it has a lot of stuff that's very Tomb raider where you go into, like, haunted crypts and spooky dungeons. It doesn't have the fleshy Atlantis stuff that Tomb Raider 1 does, which is a downside. I've never, I've never heard of fleshy Atlantis until now, and I don't know, maybe oh I should play God. Tomb Raider oh, yeah. Tomb, the, Tomb Raider the, 1 takes a turn at the end. The ending is insane. This is completely new to me. I like. I actually don't know anything about the original Tomb Raiders other than the existence of Laura Croft and boobs and two uh, well, guns, it, and that's, that's about it. There's bears at one point. I know that. Yeah, well, no, there's not bear in the first one. Is, is there? There's the tiger. I I, I mean, no, like oh no, the there's, first, there's within the first three. There's there's a bear somewhere in the okay. first. There's three. a bear in the first one. Actually, most of the enemies you fight in the first one are like either um, animals, wildlife, or uh, horrific mutated monsters. Yeah, this is. Uh, I am not familiar with any of the way that that game takes a turn. I'm a lot more interested in playing Tomb Raider now. No, like, like the whole, th the thing in Uncharted of, like, the supernatural enemies at the end was also just taken from Tomb Raider. I had no idea. I love the ending. It's here. I'll show you some screenshots from it if you want to. Actually, no, I kind of think I want to go into that, like, okay, fresh. Okay. Like, totally blind on that, I think. I might get to is that it, sooner than I intended to now. If Tomb Raider 2013 had ended with um, a meat level, I think <laughs> it would be my favorite game of all time. Meat is my favorite subgenre of level. Why is there is not there... a meat level in Sonic the Hedgehog? What the fuck? Tomb Raider 2013 Naka? is so close to like my ideal perfect game, and it misses every single <laughs> like every single instance. And not have ending with a meat level is definitely one of them. Jesus. Well, I think, uh, I think that about does it for System Shock. Uh, I'm glad I've impressed the both of you by becoming the Cyberman and having That's right. both of the System Shocks. Cyberman reigns supreme. I can hack anything. Now, I'm actually curious, Is what, what do you think is the better cyberpunk RPG? System Shock 2 or Sonic Adventure? I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, I mean Deus, Deus Ex. Oh, well, I mean, that was an easier call a moment ago. Uh, it would definitely have been Sonic Adventure. Um, although I would have given you a demerit, uh, because really it's Shadow the Hedgehog where you go into cyberspace. Uh, that is a few <laughs> of the levels in that game. You do not do that in Sonic Adventure 2, uh, although it is a technical nightmare of a certain degree. Um, I think I like Deus Ex more, actually. Deus Ex has a lot more charm for me. I, I think... Like, J.C. Denton is just such a good fucking dope. And your brother is an absolute dumbass, but, like, in a really lovable way. And then, of course, he got, like, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the big, like, hulking Hans guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gunther like, Herman. Yeah. And, then, of course, the villains in that game are just so mustache-twirlingly delicious. I, I love so much of the setting of Deus Ex. The great I kind of think... Yeah. I like, I like Deus Ex 1. Like that's I would agree that's the better of the two, mostly yeah. because Deus Ex has never like the story. A lot of the stuff in it has just gotten more relevant. Yeah, 
Uh, we're not, uh, thankfully, we're not quite at system shock levels of technological pro <laughs> progress, uh, although we're getting there. Um, remove the ethical restraints on Siri and just see how that goes. Um, yeah, like, also you brought up earlier that I think that Deus Ex is just mechanically better. I think it, it makes better use of the different abilities that you pick up throughout the course of the game than yep. System Shock yep. does. System Shocks is, like, you have different paths that you can go down, but none of them ever feel like you're making very significant gains in them. Most of the time, you just see something you want to do and it gatekeeps you. And so you gotta just run back to the terminal and just throw some more points in there. Deus Ex is the only one of any of those games where I think you could actually be fine not taking the hacking skill. Like in Prey or System Shock, if you don't take hacking, you're pretty much making the game harder for no reason. Oh yeah, you're you're fucked. Like Whereas I'll say this too. Deus Ex, if you like if you could just find a gap gun, you can just you can break whatever you want. Give me the gap gun. A lethal takedown is the most I want takedown. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll say this about <laughs> it's all in the numbers uh I'll, I'll say this about my experience with system shock 2 as well i don't know because you said this game is very very difficult uh so they have these additional layers of upgrades that you only get four of there's only four terminals in the entire game and they give you like i think 12 different options so you have to very carefully choose what you want uh i only have ever found one of them so I expanded my inventory, and that's it. So I rolled cool. through most of that game without anything else. So I am the Cyberman, and you all kneel before me. Yeah, that's weird know. to me. <laughs> I have no like, idea. Like, okay, so there's the one in MedSci, there's one in Hydroponics, and those two mm -hmm. aren't hidden. They're they're right in plain sight. I found the one in MedSci, and that was it. The one in Hydroponics, you have to walk by it, like, multiple times. I guess I just walked by it multiple <laughs> oh times. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> i only was ever yeah oh. i only ever rolled around with the uh inventory expansion oh man it. it's gonna be it's gonna be a massacre getting you through thief <laughs> <laughs> I believe now i'm that. in the flesh temple <laughs> oh god um yeah i don't know i i guess uh in total i would give the first system shock um out of four possible upgrade stations, I would give the first System Shock just one. I think that that game does a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, I actually do like it a whole lot, but it has aged so terribly, I don't think I could recommend it to anybody. Yeah, like, I think you guys I, telling me not to do it was actually the correct answer, and I should have listened, but I decided I think, that I wanted to spite you both by hurting myself. I think the mouse look has a... Uh alleviated a lot of it's like crow's yes. feet but nothing it can fix yeah. cyberspace outside of just removing it i i think the best way i can sum up system shock one is self-harm is never the answer and so you know maybe skip it uh system shock two i guess i would give that three upgrades out of four because I think there's better games than it, like in the same genre. Pretty much everything else that came after the System Shock 2 is better in some way. Uh, but I still like appreciate the hell out of it. I still had a really good time with it. Uh, but it has monkeys, so I have to dock it one point. It's just not quite, not quite there. Uh, but I'll throw in for both games two cans of soda uh, just to keep you up and wired so you can play more System Shock. I would say System Shock 1, I'd give like a 7 out of 10. I think... What, what's with this bullshit rating system? What? 
<laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sticking with oh, my on. guns here. Seven out of ten. It's, I think it's actually for '94. It's head over heels over anything else coming out DOS based. Yeah, that's like, true. What, what year did fucking Jill of the Jungle come out? Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Didn't System Shock? Was it before Doom or like just after? I think it the reason was... it failed so hard is that it was the same time as Doom Two. Yeah, okay. it, it was definitely after Doom because a lot of these things that I got back and watched kind of lamented the fact that Doom had mouse look, whereas System Shock did not, and frankly had no excuse other than it was trying to emulate Ultima Underground. And well, Doom I, One I did not don't have, have a lot of. Look. I don't have a lot of love for Doom as much as I do like System Shock or Marathon from or that Quake. Same era. Quake, I love. Yeah. Yeah. What about Marathon's System Shock Two? By the way. What would you rate System Shock the second? System Shock Two, I'm gonna go eight out of ten. Okay. I mm. think I think it's like it's definitely better, but it has it it fails so badly at the end that it it loses any points. Oh yeah, pretty much everything as soon as you reach the hive of the mini is is pretty miserable. Like um, like for reference at least, I would call like Prey and Deus Ex like pretty straight up nine out of tens. Like, yeah, as as close to perfect as the game could get. Like yeah, th- there Larry, would be. Uh, basically, I was gonna say exactly the same thing, except for System Shock One. I can't really give a rating because I did not play much of that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah t- rating anyway. Who cares? Uh, uh six. Uh, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Six out of five. Damn. <laughs> How did but, I come out of this rating at the lowest? What the fuck? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, System Shock 2 is the same. I would give probably an 8 out of 10. I, I probably would have rated it higher before Prey came out, actually. Yeah, um, Prey but, blew my mind. Yeah, it's like, this This how you do it. Um, you know, it's funny, not to get into Prey spoilers, but that game almost, like, when the credits rolled, I almost said, oh, yep, it did the same System Shock 2 thing, shitty ending. Yeah, uh, I already. Yeah, I've kind of had that game spoiled for me already, okay. so I know where he goes. Well, I was totally wrong, and the game it won me right back. Yeah. Mm. Actually, like, I kind of figured out what the ending was before I actually got like spoiled on it. What do you think it is? I'm not sure how it went. Uh, mostly the fact that you are a mimic. You yeah. Were one of them the whole time. Uh, that's all I like. Actually, I remember off the top of my head. I know that I watched a video of the ending at one point because the mimic thing was spoiled for me. I was just like, ah, well, fuck it. I'm probably not going to get back to this game. The only thing I don't like about Prey, and this might this might get you two very angry at me, is that okay. I I hate Mick Gordon's music in any game he's made. Any game he's made music for, I hate it. I don't really feel anything either way about that. I, I guess I don't either. Yeah. I hate his Doom soundtracks. Mm. Whoa now. Hold on a second. I don't know about. I was about to say this is a safe space, but not anymore, motherfucker. Those guys Actually, Larry, have you no, grab no fucking riffs. You grab one end, Larry, I'll grab the other, and we won't start pulling until he breaks in half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you for thank you for thanks. having me. Should have you on more often. Anytime. It's been fun. It means yeah, I don't yes. have to say that much. I can just sit back and relax. Which is I good promise next I'm time there dead. won't be there won't be any fucking interruptions. <laughs> now that my bathroom's fixed.
I'll let you in on a secret. Like anytime we record this podcast, I have to get up at least twice to use the bathroom. So it's whatever at this point. Or your phone will ring or you forgot <laughs> and left your alarm on. So wait, I punched ending... the mic, I hit the keyboard. You're ending this right as I drop a, a pretty controversial statement. Uh-huh. It's sure. pretty much how we do things here. At some point we're like, all right, we gotta wrap it up, and then I talk for fifteen more minutes, and then Larry gets very angry at me. Yeah. Say the thing. Goodbye, dinosaurs. Alright, great. The winter cream, the juniper, the cornflower and the chicory. Well all of the words you said to me are still vibrating in my hell. The LBS and the linden tree, the dark and deep enchanted sea, the trembling moon and the stars unfurled. Well, there she goes, my beautiful world. There she goes, my Okay.